good people i hope y'all are well hope everybody is good welcome to the honest report where black male justice advocates uh uplift black men and boys using critical analysis i'll put that on the screen just so we can be clear about what we're here for shout out to uh early uh attendees shout out to barry little appreciate that heads up on the sound i hope everything is coming through clean and clear now uh shout out to spain man christopher what's up donnie was good mark hey rue what's going on aaron i'm listening ronan the original what's up metacog enigma mlr what's good man appreciate that support barry hey it says income intuition drop <laughs> much appreciated you know uh some some new uh Never know if I get that right. What's up, Growth? Growth Talk uh, with Kofa. Y'all make sure you subscribe to the channel. Check out the brothers. Support them. All right. Last for me. What's up? Presto, Gary. Oh, my goodness. MLRR already coming through with the support. Much appreciated, good brother. Thank you for that. Generous support. Kay Williams, Zay, Charles, what's good? Hoping everybody is well. I know we're trying to get it in, make sure we stay content, uh, uh, consistent. Um, even though it's summertime and trying to handle business and doing a lot of sleeping, I'm trying to catch up from the last semester. Uh, but you know the deal support the Onyx Report. You can do so directly with the Venmo, the PayPal, the Cash App. Um, you can do so right there on YouTube chat section with the Super Chat. 
Um, you can also become a patron of the channel. Uh, you can become a member on YouTube as well. Go ahead and join. Click, click the join button right next to the subscribe button. Various levels of membership there. Or you can become a patron where you can support the Honest Report here on YouTube as well as the Institute for Black Male Studies. Uh, and, of course, the Onyx TV Network, all of which um, is pretty easily accessible. Right? So make sure that you are supporting not only myself, but any other channels that you watch on a regular basis to get information, insight, uh, clarity on things that are going on in the world, especially if it's black male made media. Right? We have to support ourselves because ain't nobody else going to do it. And waiting around for some kind of network to do it is whatever. And truthfully, by the time they do, you're often disappointed with the results, especially when you have to, you know, kind of compromise your agenda with corporate forces. So support the brothers that you watch on a regular basis that you that you want to hear more from. Support those channels so that you can make sure you can continue to get the independent thought that you crave. There is the Onyx Network as well. Catch it on iPhone, Android, Amazon Fire TV or Roku. Make sure you support like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel. All right. So I haven't posted anything, I think, since Father's Day. So shout out to all of the fathers out there who are holding it down, despite not often being recognized. We know Father's Day to be one of the most uh, under-regarded holidays there are. So, you know, shout out to the brothers that are, that are doing what brothers have, have been doing for centuries, holding it down to no accolade, to often to no support. And if anything, we often have to compete with others who are competing with us over the whole issue of Father's Day. Nothing that we're initiating, right? The whole mention of Father's Day comes with uh, debate, argument, and competition over who's the father and who isn't. We don't do that for any other damn holiday, but it is what it is. Shout out to Cameron, appreciate the support. Mark, was good? Raheem, Shepard? All right. Atlanta stay focused was good. So, yeah, we got some things to get into today. Um, I'm going to be doing a review of Dr. Umar on the Daily Rap Crew, Daily Rap Up Crew, I guess. Uh, the brothers want to uh, connect. They mentioned having me on. I look forward to that. Um, but I'll be doing a review of that soon and then uh, hopefully be able to connect with those brothers and engage uh, the whole issue around black men and what's going on with us. You know, people want to comment and speculate, but very few want to actually hear from black men about what's going on with black men. Instead, people want to tell black men what's going on with us and what we should do in relation to their agenda. So, yeah, that's what we're dealing with. And we will be challenging that uh, as we continue to develop our own thought process on a number of things. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at gynocentric policy. Shout out to Passport OG. Um, appreciate that support. I was just watching one of your shows a little earlier today, man. Um, so good to see you up here. You know, and in case I missed it, uh, no, I didn't, but let me put it on the screen. Shout out to Cameron. But uh, yeah, so we're going to get into it. So let me first see. I never know if, if Facebook will play through this. So Let's do what we do and see what comes across and what does not share the audio. So I'm going to play a clip 
And I'm gonna need you guys to give me um, an indication if you can hear it. Let me make some slight adjustments over here. And um, I'm just gonna play a quick second. Tell me if you can hear it at all. We brought the population of girls. So let me know, give me a one if you heard that, a zero if you did not. That will govern how I cover this next. Go ahead and let me know. Okay, so you did hear it. All right. So let me go ahead, back it up. And you guys check out what we're going to be talking about today, or at least starting off with. We've brought the population of girls in the justice system down to zero in New York City. The girls' population in Santa Clara County has been at zero for years. Hawaii has managed to end girls' incarceration statewide, and the kind of hope that that gives us is that it's possible to get to zero everywhere. We have brought the population of... So, let's go ahead and look more closely at what we're examining here. Right, so this is the Vera Institute, which to my understanding is supposed to be about, well, let's actually go to it. Let's go to who we are. So let me go ahead and put that up. And we will start with who we are. So. Uh, this is a new one for me I ran across very recently, um, giving some breakdown on an organization that I had not been extremely familiar with, but ending mass incarceration seems to be one of their major goals. So um, let's see if we can get a read of this. Y'all let me know if you could hear Snoop talk to you. Here we go. We are advocates, researchers, and activists working to end mass incarceration. Vera is powered by hundreds of researchers and advocates working to transform the criminal, legal, and immigration systems until they are fair for all. Founded in 1961 to educate for alternatives to money bail in New York City, Vera is now a national organization that partners with impacted communities and government leaders for change. We develop just and erase solutions so that money doesn't determine freedom. Fewer people are in jails, prisons, and immigration detention, and everyone in the system is treated with dignity. Okay, so uh, yeah, Snoop told us to, what it is. So apparently, the organization's been around since 1961. Their focus is, um, you know, fewer people in jails, prisons, immigration detention, so on and so forth. And their current push at this moment is what I played for you a moment ago. Has to do with the Ending Girls Incarceration Initiative, right? So that seems to be the focus. You see the sign there in the middle, Sister Warriors Freedom Co uh, Coalition. Getting to zero girls incarcerated by 2030. Now, let me be clear. I am not interested in incarcerating girls and, and, and pushing for more legislation to do so. It is not my goal to, um, you know, incarcerate more girls, to create more policy, to incarcerate more women, uh, so on and so forth. Not that. I don't actually have a problem 
with the push to help girls in regard to prison. But there was an exchange. The brother who sent this to me on Facebook. Uh, let me see if he's still on the screen in here. Yeah, shout out to Xavier. Appreciate that support, Xavier. Um, oh, yeah. You know what? I think I can show this too. So let me go ahead and share this with you. So the brother who sent me this, you know, told me it was interesting. He said, uh, you know, when there are more black men incarcerated in the USA alone than every woman incarcerated on earth, these were, this was data produced by Antonio Moore a few years ago, where he showed that there were more black men in America incarcerated than all women across the world. Um, and he showed it in a, in a kind of chart that was, uh, you know, beautifully illustrated, sadly. So, um, you know, so that's what Xavier is pointing to here. He says, this group is fighting to bring incarceration of girls to zero, regardless of their crimes. When black men and boys are routinely executed by police and civilians for accusations of crimes and never afforded uh, due process, just summary execution, the contrast contrast is extremely painful, I must say. So in the midst of that, you know, before I had even really looked at it, I think uh, this woman responds to his statement. Right. So this is the video clip I played for you from the Vera Institute of Justice. And it says if communities stopped incarcerating youth for low-level offenses, it would mean the end of girls' incarceration in most places in the U.S. And then it goes from there. So he, he shouts it to me. And so this person, Carol, gets up and she says, Xavier, girls and women are an oppressed class, particularly Black girls and women. So yes, people need to fight against that too, right? And so from there, I respond, two would suggest both. Does that seem to be the priority here, right? So in other words, what I'm I'm finding interesting about this whole push so far is that because it seems to focus specifically on girls, even though we know that in terms of the data, girls are not in any, any particular great amount of trouble in regard to this, not in any seriously significant way. Um, so I think it's interesting that we pull that up. Let me at first uh, also shout out uh, Mississippi Delta guy again for the generous contribution. Uh, thanks for your analysis and scholarship. Much appreciated. Uh, let me also shout out paid players are in demand. It says in California, men are 96% of the prison population. At the federal level, for the exact same crime, women receive a 60% less sentence. Women should not be immune from criminal prosecution. Okay. There we go. Now, to be clear, this particular push is about girls. Um, but the focus, though, to me, is that if you're going to shoot for zero incarceration for girls and yet boys have a much deeper issue when it comes to this kind of thing, there's a problem. It's like it's like creating a, a literacy initiative uh, for girls. But we know that especially black boys have and, and most particularly in California, but even nationally have a severe problem with literacy. So, you know, it's you're creating mechanisms for those who are not as in need. I mean, if you're going to create a mechanism, wouldn't you start with the group that's actually most vulnerable? Just curious. Well, let's get to the push. Let's actually hear what they're talking about here um, as far as this whole push here and see what it is we are missing out on. Getting to zero girls incarcerated by 2030. There is initiative to end girls' incarceration. EGI aims to zero out the incarceration of girls and gender expansive youth in the country's juvenile legal system by 2030. Getting to zero is ambitious but achievable. On a given day, 
Most states have fewer than 150 young people in girls' long-term placement facilities. Many have fewer than 50. Meanwhile, the eight states that lock up the most girls account for more than 50% of girls' incarceration nationally. EGI targets states with the highest and the lowest levels of incarceration of girls. To get to zero girls incarcerated, we partner with government and community leaders to develop solutions based on community needs while advocating for broader policy changes at the state and local levels that advance the freedom and well-being of girls and gender-expansive youth. As we boost local prevention and diversion services, we're also working to decriminalize status offenses like running away and explicitly prohibit incarceration for misdemeanors and technical violations of probation to protect a young person's safety or address their needs. And when there is no threat to public safety, with our help, Jurisdictions are already closing in on zero and paving the way for government leaders across the country to join the movement. New York's. So hopefully you guys heard that clear enough. Right. So what we're looking at. And so they start to list the various cities, some of the data around incarceration of girls, 42,000 girls incarcerated each year, largely for low level offenses, so on and so forth. And again, I'm not against policy that advocates for girls. What I have a problem with is one way policy in the black community as it pertains to women and girls as a collective. Now, this is something I've been talking about for some years now. Um, right? When it comes to what I call black feminist nationalists, these are often groups, individuals and groups that advocate for policy for the black community, but only in regard to women and girls. They start out with a language of focusing on the black community, and then it ends up becoming a sort of bait and switch much of the time, right? Because if you look at the Vera Institute, the Vera Institute in and of itself claims to be pushing for the end of mass incarceration, right? But then when you look at the particular processes that are going on, the particular projects that are going on, you can see the focus being targeted to women and girls. And we've seen this in education. We've seen this in terms of funding. We'll be going through some of that a little bit later, right? But at the end of the day, they sidestep the most vulnerable. Now, I just grabbed this real quick because this was in a previous publication that I was using. Never really published it, but this was a chart from 2013. Juveniles and residential placement by race slash Hispanic origin and gender 2013. So just to give you a kind of snippet, just to give you a kind of taste of what we're looking at. So the bars in blue are male. The bars in green are female. Right. On the far left, you have non-Hispanic whites. Right next to that, non-Hispanic blacks. You have Hispanics in the middle, Asians to the right of that, and American Indians to the right of that. This is what we're looking at, right? So you see black boys leading the pack at 804 per 100,000. Only, only group closest to that are American Indian males at 496. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. If you're going to create projects, especially funded projects that might have some leverage when it comes to creating policy, wouldn't you target it at those who are most needed? Why exactly is there this kind of push to eliminate black men and boys from the conversation? Here's another. Uh, this chart. <sighs> from the Bureau of Justice Statistics survey of prison inmates 2016 data analyzed by the prison policy initiative and just to be clear let me see if the last one yeah so the last one pulls from the census of juveniles in resident residential placement um, and you can pull this data from the National Center for Juvenile Justice 
right? This one here, the Prison Policy Initiative. It doesn't break it down quite the same way, but it breaks it down in a useful way for us to grasp nonetheless, right? First arrest at age 18 or younger. This is most people in state prison uh, were first arrested as youth. And so you can see the kind of breakdown there. Percent first arrested at age 18 or younger by self-reported gender, race, and ethnicity. Self-reported, right? Which likely means that you could also have those who identify as trans women who are biologically male born, um, that would probably shift these numbers a little bit, but that's a relatively small population. Nevertheless, what this chart tells us is that the highest population incarcerated by race are black and by gender male, right? 69% versus 45%, right? So here, yet again, we're looking at policies that are focused on groups that aren't the primary uh, the, aren't actually suffering from this to the same degree. Shout out to Ghetto User, the support for the scholar. You are one of the few who even addresses the injustice that confront the most vulnerable, as you suggest. Man, I appreciate that. That's what I think the focus of our work needs to be as black men. Because at the end of the day, as I've said for years, no one else is coming for us. And the, and the frustrating thing about this, when I talk about black feminist nationalists, they will help, they will use their position and they will use the current zeitgeist around identity politics to push for what they call advocacy for the black community. But that advocacy sidesteps black men and boys unapologetically. Even this push we're seeing right here doesn't even address anything related to the boys. And just as uh, the men suffer more from this incarceration issue, this carceral issue uh, than the women, so too do, do the boys. And what kind of focus do we see given to them? Not much, right? And some of these reports, if you look at them, they'll just start talking about youth or they'll talk about the black community. They use these abstract terms, but when you really get to the nuts and bolts of where they're targeting their dollars, targeting their, their capacity to leverage their position to advocate for policy, talking about women and girls. So this puts black men in a precarious position, especially when you think about the way we've been trained, especially from the 70s on to think about the black community. Most of us have a kind of low key to high key nationalist bent to us. Um, so we advocate you know, for the community. And I've said this for years, when black men are interviewed about their ideas about how to improve things, most of the time they resort to a default position of advocating for the community. A lot of brothers don't know how to advocate for policy specific to black men and boys. And that's because we've never conceptualized the community specific to black men and boys. What then do you do when black women begin to use their position, use their college access, use their white collar job uh, access, use whatever pos political position they've been able to garner, particularly under feminism, and strictly advocate for themselves. Most of us are not prepared for that. So for years, for decades, I would argue, since the late 1960s, most black men have been relatively quiet. Because for us, it's been viewed as going after your mothers and your sisters, because these are the women that go to college and come back ardent black feminists. So when they start pushing policy like this, most black men just become very quiet. It's only been in the last decade that I've started to see grumblings from black men. But with those grumblings, we've actually had to figure out a language. We've had to create terminology 
to articulate our position because what we were left with was using the vocabulary extended to us through higher ed, which was often very much feminist or gynocentric in focus. And it always kind of worked against us. It never quite, it was too unwieldy to articulate the issues that we faced. So we either stayed quiet, especially my brothers in the academy, or we advocated, or at least in silence, let the women do whatever they were gonna do for themselves. By the time we got to the pandemic, things reached an epic proportion in my book. One of the things we started to see was we started to see more and more policy directed at black women. And those black women said nothing about the black men and boys, even in their care. As we started to see boys failing out of school to a greater degree, not being able to read, not graduating high school, we saw more and more initiatives supporting black women and girls. Too many of them didn't say anything. And we didn't know how to say anything without appearing to be attacking black women. And this is pretty consistent across race. For the most part, men in the West have, were really not prepared for feminism. They really weren't. Because what it meant was going to war with your wives, with your daughters. Even white men had this problem. Men have no problem going to war with each other. Different racial groups have no problem going to war with each other. Very few were prepared for an internal struggle, an internal warfare. We call it the gender war. Many of us conceptualize it different ways, but I don't think about it as just a gender war. The problem with talking about it as a gender war is we discuss it as men and women woke up one day and decided to fight. I think it's far more complicated than that. In the black community, what we've seen is a very specific demographic that has a battery put in its back. It's been given resources. It's been allowed to feel as if there is some kind of participatory, you know, possibility. I think many of our women were lured with education and low level white collar employment. Of course, you're gonna have your six figure earners, you know, but that's a relatively small percentage. As much as black women like to present it as if they're all balling, it's a very small percentage. For the most part, the average black woman if she's been able to take care of any of these things, if she's if middle class, low level white collar job, she makes less than the white woman on her job, but she has a job, right? That's the lure. And with that, the promise, or at least the temptation of buffer class status, you get to be recognized when politics are discussed. You get to be recognized when policies are developed, whether or not that's a serious you know, shift in the quality of life, that's secondary, but you're gonna be the target point. When the Democratic Party wants to talk to the black community, they talk to black women. Black men and boys have found themselves sliding out of the discussion for years with no pushback in any collective way from black women. And black men themselves will be the first ones to fight you if you raise issue about this. Any criticism toward women or anything even seeming like it's toward women will be shot down by other black men first before black women even have to say anything. We attack each other just for pointing out or trying to make sense of what's going on. The first thing you'll hear in these conversations is this kind of chest thumping, chivalrous gesture at, you know, we just need to man up, which to me is such a profound disrespect to the ancestors and particularly the black male ancestors who have sacrificed their lives for generations to fucking be dismissed and discussed as if they were weak and they weren't shit because they weren't hundred thousand dollar earners in 1934. This is the way we talk about black men. 
like they're nothing if they don't meet some fantastical standard. But y'all, I'm too many of these brothers, and I'm talking about men who have studied this shit and will still talk about black men as if they've done nothing, knowing full well how much those brothers have sacrificed for family over decades, over generations, and we dismiss them and we allow it to happen. So black men are the first to do it. We suggest that we need to man up because we really haven't been man enough, which is bullshit. But then the second thing we do is we shame each other for talking about what's going on. And see, this is the issue. We're not talking about women for the sake of talking about women. We're talking about women because they've been used and targeted like a torpedo against the community for their own advancement. That's the play. That's why there's so much discussion around women. It's not because brothers hate women. It's because women have been used against the black community and against black men in a very strategic way involving policy, meaning that for decades, the capacity to get groceries, food stamps, a place to live, housing vouchers, and so on and so forth, right? These welfare resources for working families or poor people who don't have access to employment, those things went to women. You look at family court policy, the decisions around who gets custody and what they get to do with that custody and how they can leverage those policies against men who often don't have much money, but are hit up for child support payments that they can't afford, again, to the advantage of women. These are policy examples. This is not about attacking women because people hate women. I hate when we, we allow these people to water down the argument. You know, you hear these discussions where somebody says, oh, who hurts you? Oh, it must be some girl that broke your heart. If you don't get the fuck out of here with that bullshit, I'm talking about decades, if not centuries of policy that gave slight advantage. And when you're talking about a relatively poor community with no inherited wealth, slight means a, a lot. It may not mean nothing to the mainstream, but when you're in a poor community, it means a fucking lot. And when there's an overwhelming amount of emphasis and policy that advantages one demographic in the community at the expense of others, and then we turn around and shame each other for even talking about it, that's a greater crime. Because now we don't know how to talk about it. So we sit in silence and we watch this shit happen and we grumble under the table. I mean, this is in many ways what led to Red Pill in the black community and led to Passport Bros as the latest iteration of it. Black men got tired of waiting for people to hear us, got tired of being shamed about it, even from other black men. So we shut up and we voted with our feet. And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think for our own sake, for our son's sake, because we had to figure this shit out when our fathers didn't know. I had to sit down and talk to my fathers and my godfathers about the stuff we talk about all the time. And they didn't know. They went through it. But they didn't know. Right. They didn't know they hadn't had a chance to break it down the way we're breaking it down because they didn't have a platform to communicate with themselves. We do. And we've been breaking it down, but it still has to get out and we still have to talk. So this is about, and, and, you know, if you want to get down to this whole question of whether or not black men are explaining shit, you goddamn right. I'm explaining shit. I'm explaining shit to my target audience, black men and boys, because I have very young men, underage men that listen to my channel as well. And I do my best, my level best to make sure that they have access to alternative ways of understanding black men's histories because other groups are not invested in telling the truth about black men. They're invested in using black men as cannon fodder for their own advancement. So we have to have these independently funded, funnel, uh, excuse me, independently financed spaces where we can actually talk about what went on with us 
and not wait for others to do it. And this is why we have to do it. You see the Vera Institute, do they seem like they give a fuck about black boys? So we turn around and shame each other. We attack each other. We fight each other. Shout out to Beretto. Appreciate that support. He says, <laughs> Dr. Umar, okay. Uh, I am Waf. He says, uh, Umar, a prime example of smearing black men's legacy. Right? This is what we do. And much of the time, especially when you're talking about cats like Umar, you, I mean, I don't have to point this out. Y'all know where the, where the man money comes from. Oh, it's black women. You bite the hand that feeds you, you know what comes with that. So just like Steve Harvey and a number of others, their advancement comes with that. So they're only going to fight so hard. And they will turn around and sun other black men if it yields them profit. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to be frank with each other. And we got to move past these macho narratives of we just got to thump our chest harder and everything will fall into place. Fuck that. You don't respond to centuries of policy and strategic uh, structural underdevelopment with chest thumping. You respond with strategy. And it has to be a multi-generational strategy. And this is what I'm talking about. We have to elevate the conversation for the benefit of black boys so that when they step up and they're in a position to take authority, they can pick up where we left off and move forward. This whole battle with white supremacy, I've told you this before in terms of my analogy of it, it's like an ongoing multi-generational chess game. And the way it's been working for the last few centuries, each generation of black men step up to the game and take it over, but we don't often find out what the fuck has happened to get the board where it is now. We have an opportunity to do a number of things, one of which is to be able to make sure our sons know before they step up to the board what has transpired up to date, what the strategies have been used against us. So when our sons take our place at the chessboard, fighting against all of these different forces that have been targeting black men for centuries, that they know the score, that they know the strategy, that they understand the board. This is what I'm trying to do. I wanted to create uh, terminology so we could better un understand and explain our situation. I wanted to get the historical narratives together so we could have real conversations about what it is we face and what's been happening. What is the strategy that's been used? What strategies have we responded with? I want our sons, when they replace us, to know why the board looks the way it does. Because our generation, we were just left with a fucking board. Nobody said shit. And I would argue that generations prior, you had something similar. Now, if you were in spaces, if you were an autodidact or you took Africana studies or black studies classes, you may have gotten that information. But for the overwhelming numbers of black folk, no. You just inherited what was given to you. No explanation, no clarity. Fix it. And in the last 40 years, black women turned around and said, well, y'all ain't shit to lead because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. We have to give our sons an understanding of where the board is and our grandsons and our great grandsons. We got to address this differently. Shout out to LAB, LAPD SWAT. He says, have you ever thought about, get this on the screen, uh, creating PACs, lobbyist groups, politicians respond to the economy under them? Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, I haven't decided where to go from there. Y'all know I have the 17 point agenda up. Um, so really the question is, what do we want to do? 
Because if I say let's form a, a super PAC, it, it, I, don't, I don't have any money. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the 17 point agenda, if you look at it, was a gesture by a group of black men that support this channel, that were listening and participating in those discussions. This wasn't something I created. I didn't write the 17 point agenda. Y'all did. So I would use that same philosophy moving forward. If y'all want to form a political group, then let's do it. But it has to be a collective decision. It's something we have to decide on because this individual shit we've been doing is a response out of survival, but it doesn't work. Beyond survival, beyond our getting to the next day, beyond making sure our kids eat and the, the bills are paid, but we got to move this to another level and that has to be done collectively. So I apologize for that. Had to go on my little rant. Anyway, let's look at some of the stuff. I wanted to kind of play a few things in response to this whole push for girls, right? This whole push for girls. Shout out to Brother Gamble. How you doing, man? Appreciate Ronan. Appreciate that support. Exactly. Chess, not checkers. Real talk. We're handing off the board, but we need to hand off the understanding of the board so that the next generation knows what's going on. All right, so let's look at a few things. Since we're talking about zeroing out incarceration, right? I'm gonna start the, with the women and then we'll go to the girls. And I'm just gonna put up a few things and we'll see what we think about it. So bear with me. Y'all know uh, over the years I have had I've made all kinds of technical blunders, so hopefully we avoid that this time around. But let's start with the first one. I don't know how much of this I'm going to play, but we're going to look at this whole question of zeroing out incarceration for girls while ignoring boys. Well, all right, let's take a look. Thank you. Can you give me your driver's license and your insurance card? What do you think is funny? I'm just asking for your driver's license and your insurance card. Okay, y'all let me know if you can hear this. Hit me with a one if you can hear it. Obviously, this is a pullover. Uh, again, I haven't decided how much of this I want to play, but let's check it out. Are you dead ass serious? You finna act like that's what you've been asking me for this whole time? Well, what have I been asking Shut you for? Shut the fuck up. Like, stop. Okay, I need stop. your driver's license and your insurance card. It's just an accident. Don't turn it. So he should tell you then. That yes. you should give me your driver's so license. So why the entire and what do you say right now if you're acting like this? Okay. Why are y'all? Why do I? Why am I pulled over right now? For the accident. Six time. You want to go six? You were involved in an accident. You left the scene. I found your car. You have damage to the front of your car. All this is is an accident report, ma'am. Don't turn this into anything else. Don't turn it into something else. It's an accident report. We need your stuff for the report, and then you're on your way. It's your word against the other driver's word. That's all we're looking at, ma'am. You're making this far too difficult on yourself. What's interesting about these little situations, though, every time I look at them, I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, how this would go differently for black men. And so it's interesting because we talk we've grown up talking about racism in regard to these situations and race is a factor. But it's always interesting to me how gender completely shifts how these things happen. And yet even in the academy, you can't talk about how gender shifts the way this happens. Y'all already know if this was a brother, he'd have been pulled out and thrown on the concrete, if not tased or shot in record time. This doesn't 
Anyway, here we go. So, okay. No, I'm you just give me your license, your insurance. They can relay that over the other side. Can y'all go to them? There, we already have an officer there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right That's why we're here. I have nothing else to talk about. Okay. Okay. I need your driver's license and your insurance card. I don't have none of that. You don't have your license, no. No, your insurance. I don't card. have it. Okay, I need you to step out of the car. Why? Because I need you to step out of the Why? car. Because now you're under arrest for obstructing the police. Okay? Man, you want to turn that into that? We can turn it into that. Just get your license, get the insurance, get, get an ID, whatever you got. Just provide it. It's Monday. We're not trying to make it any more difficult than I, I didn't car. do anything. Okay, well, now you're doing something. Give us your license and your insurance card so we can get this on the report and get you the hell out of here. Open up my door. Right. Don't touch shit. I'm not gonna touch don't shit. No, but I need you to give me your driver's license and your insurance. I am, but okay. don't touch my door. Why are you doing that? I've explained it to you already. It right? don't matter. Fucking then act like it. So you need to act, act like, like it. it. Don't touch shit. Give me your driver's you license and your insurance card. Man, what a what's up? You want to take me to jail? No, take I don't want to take jail. Don't touch me. Don't don't step in my face. This point, just step really? to the side of the car. This is a, this is a, this is a way to push this up. Exactly. Hey, man. You're under arrest. What are you saying? Don't grab my shit. I ain't doing it. What? You got a wrist? You got a wrist? No. You got it, Bobby? Bobby, I'm not letting you go until you have it. Stop resisting. You a dumb bitch. Stop resisting. Ain't nobody resist. Stop resisting. You just, you, you must be a, you must be a rookie. You must be a rookie. You must be a rookie. The fuck out my face. You feel good? You feel good? You still gotta fight for coke? Bitch. I got it. 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 No, it's the other, it's the other one. I got a wrist. I got dumb. a wrist. I got 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 Stop you. I'll put him with the car. Stop. Don't start. You ain't shit. You don't mean to. Chris, you're a little bit. Ambulance fires in route. All right, go ahead and get in. All right, come on. Seriously, it stinks. Man, leave me alone. Y'all have no right to arrest me. Man, you gotta get in the car. Hop in, let's go. Man, get me the f out of here. Y'all have no right to arrest me. You gotta get in. I'm gonna go around the other side. Right. No, you don't. Come on. You have to get this far. Tony, you got me. Let's go. Come on. You guys on charges? Come on. 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 Come on.
Yeah, yeah, set up. up. One for obstructing. Lincoln 23. So you see what I'm talking about, right? But we're pushing for policy to make sure that this, that they don't have to get, okay. All right. And if I say something about it, I'm the problem, but still no policy for black men or boys. Okay. Let's look at another, another situation. So let's see here. Here we go. All right. If I can enlarge this a little bit. All right. Court documents reveal gruesome details in killing dismemberment of Maryland, Maryland grandmother. Right. This is June 5th of this year. June 5th. So, I'm going to let Snoop talk to you. Prince George's County, MD, 7 News. A mother and daughter in Prince George's County are accused of killing 71-year-old Margaret Craig, the mother and grandmother of the duel, and then using a chainsaw to dismember her and burn her remains on a charcoal grill. Risk asterisk warning. This story contains graphic details asterisk asterisk. On Friday, Prince George's County police officers responded to the 200 block of Hill Road in Hyattsville for a welfare check on Margaret Craig. The police department reportedly received a call from someone who claimed they had not heard from Margaret Craig for multiple days and were worried about her well-being. Upon arrival, okay, Upon arrival at the home, police said 44-year-old Candace Craig, the daughter of Margaret Craig, opened the door. She allowed the officers access to the home and they immediately noticed the smell of decomposition in the basement, police said. On Monday, 7 News Maryland Bureau Chief Brad Bell obtained the charging documents for Candace Craig District Court of Maryland for Prince George's County. Related mom, daughter arrested after oh. grandmother's body. All right. There we go. So some more pictures. Um, well, let's finish the article. You know. And I apologize if it's coming across disjointed, but here we According go. to court documents, upon entering the basement, officers immediately recognized the smell of putrefaction and observed blood and tissue on the floor near three white plastic trash bags. Officers said they discovered what appeared to be brain matter in an open trash bag on the floor. Police also noticed a knife on the ground on the basement floor. Upon returning to the basement, the knife was missing, authorities said. Police also said they found a cover to a chainsaw, cutting utensils, cleaning materials and blood spattered throughout the basement where the remains were found, court documents reveal. The court documents also stated that the remains were identified as Margaret's. Further investigation led police to determine that Candace murdered her mother on May 23 and had her 19-year-old daughter, Salia Hardy, help her attempt to dispose of the remains. According to detectives, police are still working on identifying a motive for the alleged murder. Court documents state that Candace was involved in an altercation with her mother prior to her alleged killing. Defendant 2 Celia Hardy stated that the decedent threatened to report her daughter, Defendant 1 Candace Craig, to the police for fraudulent use of her credit card. Defendant 1 then attacked the decedent, the court documents state. Candace Craig is charged with first and second degree murder. Celia Hardy is charged with accessory after the fact. Both are in the custody of the Department of Corrections. A preliminary hearing for Candace is scheduled for July 3 at 8.45 in Upper Marlboro. She is being held without bond. All right. 
this shit. This was hard. Right? I ran across this. I didn't want to believe it. I honestly didn't. Right? So you got a mother and daughter who killed the grandmother. And apparently prior to killing her, right? The grandmother caught the daughter using a credit card. And I knew when I saw it that money was involved. I knew it. I knew it. I just didn't know how. Because at that, when I first saw the story, they didn't have any information. Right? They didn't have any information. So, let's see. They don't seem to. I'm not showing any of the pictures. Skip the ad. Okay, so we got the house. Right? Front door. I guess this is where they found, they might have found some of the remains. Right? They said something about the basement though, so the cops smelled putrefaction upon entering the house. This is what we talk about. But we're gonna push for policy, right? To make sure, okay. I mean, again, in one context, I'm not necessarily looking for reasons for black folk to go to jail in another, how exactly do you sidestep black boys and men, especially if you know these kind of things are happening and they're being initiated by black women at times. But our focus via the Vera Institute is to downplay. Okay, that 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 makes some kind of sense, right? Let's look at another. Okay. There we go. I'll check this out. And I don't know, these all these advertisements are driving me nuts, but all these articles seem to be packed with them. So um, it is what it is. Sorry about that. All right, clean it up a little bit, but here you go. So it was like a real horror movie. Mom accused of slowly cooking her two toddlers to death by placing them in an oven and turning it on. We'll go to trial. This is June 2nd of this year. What's up, Officer Faulkner? What's good? Good to see you in the building. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're looking at. Lamora Williams in her mugshot. All right. I mean, again, this is... I, I'm not pleased about this, right? I'm really not. This is not something that I'm happy to bring up. I'm just questioning why exactly are we pushing for policy that completely takes black girls out from having to deal black girls and, and women and yet this kind of shit is happening here we go the georgia mother of three accused of killing two of her children by placing them in an oven and turning it on waived her first court appearance on friday morning local media in atlanta reported all right this is a little disjointed because all the advertisements but we'll serve your williams stands accused of myriad crimes over the october 2017 deaths of her sons one-year-old Jack on her pen and two-year-old Kay on pen, who police believe were killed roughly an hour apart, powered by a body cam. ISIS supported threatens to decapitate cops after allegedly burning U.S. Okay, I think it started reading an advertisement, right? On the night in question, the defendant called 911 and expressed fear that her sons were dead and that she would go to jail. And Pink Book Lessons just talked about another case like this where a young girl was beaten to death by her mother. She just released this earlier today. I want to say it was in Brooklyn, but um, mother killed her own daughter. And she had three kids. She was abusing all three of them. 
but to kill the daughter and then call the cops and say she found her that way. So check out Pink Book Lessons' latest episode if you don't believe me. In February 2018, Williams was indicted on four counts of felony murder, two counts of murder, two counts of aggravated assault, two counts of concealing the death of another, and one count of making a false statement. She has also been charged with two counts of cruelty to children in the first degree, one count of cruelty to children in the second degree, one additional count of aggravated assault, one count of obstruction of a law enforcement officer, and one count of battery resulting in substantial physical harm. Fulton County Jail Records reviewed by Law and Crime Show. Law enforcement said that both toddlers received burn marks on their bodies at some point, possibly from the stove. People Magazine reported. Yeah, we're going to go through these because, I mean, again, we're not talking about uh, let's see here. Wow. Sorry about that. But only black men and boys got to go to jail, though, right? When I came in, the stove was laying on my son, on my youngest son's head, and my other son was laid out on the floor with his brains laid out on the floor. Williams reportedly told the 911 dispatcher, according to Atlanta-based Fox affiliate WAP, I don't know what to do. I just came home from work. The defendant told police that she left all three of her children with a caregiver from noon until 11.30 p.m. and returned home to find that two had died while the caregiver was gone. Wagga reports, can you please help me? She reportedly asked the dispatcher, like, can you please tell me, like, I don't want to get locked up because this is not my fault. I had just came home from work. In an arrest warrant obtained by law and crime, the Atlanta Police Department alleges that sometime between midnight on October 12, 2017, and 11 p.m. The next day, Williams knowingly and intentionally killed the two toddlers by placing them in an oven and turning it on. Her third child, three-year-old Jamil Penjr, was uninjured. According to autopsy reports obtained by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the boys' heads were stuck in a tipped-over oven. The medical examiner disagreed with police claims that the children had been burned. These thermal changes appeared to be entirely from dry heat and changes from prolonged exposure to heat. The medical examiner reportedly wrote in both autopsies, it would require an extensive amount of time to get to this degree. The boys' father also called 911. At roughly the same time, Williams was hesitant to give the dispatcher her address on how a place in the Oakland City West End neighborhood. I just received a call from my child's mother that might. Two of my two dead babies, my sons are dead in an apartment, Jamil Penn told the dispatcher. She video called me and I seen it. I really think they are dead. The distraught father described the video call in comments to local ABC affiliate WSBTV. It was like a real horror movie, he said. It was Friday the 13th. Police told the TV station that the eldest boy who survived watched his mother kill his two younger brothers. The case has been delayed due to pandemic concerns and for mental health evaluations and related proceedings. Williams was in the courtroom on Friday morning but did not appear in front of the judge for a scheduled final plea hearing, according to Waga and local NBC affiliate WZ. Instead, lawyers for the state and defense reportedly agreed on a special setting for a trial date that Fulton County Superior Court judge will announce in the future. Join the discussion 62 comments. Have a tip we should know. Tips at Lowen Crime. Come top of today all right so officer faulkner dr thunder anybody wants to come in and comment i got a number of things i got to cover um so either of you are welcome to come up as we go through these but there are a few i want to get through because we're dealing with this whole question of black men being left black boys and men for that matter 
being left with the link to hyper-incarceration. And when we start talking about policy, we're primarily just going to fixate on black women and girls, right? So that's going to be the whole focus. Uh, so Officer Faulkner said he wanted to speak on this. Hey, and if y'all have any extra information, if the article, if it's been updated and I missed something, feel free. Uh, what's up, man? You know, when you're investigating a crime, especially the death of your child, you're not trying to go to the dispatcher and say, I'm not involved in it. You're more like, come help me. I don't know what the hell happened. Right. Right. You still there? Uh oh, might have had a bad connection. And I'm and I'm and I'm like I'm looking at the cases, the cases that you had, and I've been through where you have some necro going on or some dead, you know, human skin or any rotting skin. Period. And I'm like, this is what you call demonic. Mm-hmm. And even when you when you're in these cases where you're seeing dead children or people and the reaction of the people is like kind of cavalier you automatically know there's something's going on right and and it's crazy because when people talk to you know bgs about black pill this is black pill where you got to see stuff like this yeah and you have to somehow go back home keep yourself mentally mentally fit to carry on with your life because this this is demonic but yet like you said people don't even know this you're five times more likely to suffer from sexual or physical child abuse in a single mother home but yet why are so many black men in jail more for child (laughs) I, i had to laugh because of how ridiculous is what it is for child you know support cases than moms who go to who should be in jail for child abuse cases i'm gonna say that again why are there more men in jail for child support cases than mothers for child abuse cases yeah and we've showed the data that you know especially when it comes to children it's not black men it's not men in general that are that are leading in terms of that. It's primarily women because women tend to be caretakers more often. But for and, some reason, we're the face of it. And here's the ridiculous part of it that I've told a class that asked me this. I said a man's job is usually to protect, keep protect a woman from herself, and more often than not, is to protect the kids from the mother. Hmm. Hmm. When people talk about single mother homes you know how unprotected that child is whether it's because of the mother or the mother's boyfriend who doesn't give a damn about those children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's the sadistic part is that wait till you get a call when you hear a mother prostituting her daughter out just to keep her man right well, wait till you hear a mother who the guy, the boyfriend, tried to hit on the daughter, and she thinks the daughter wants to hit on her man, and she'll fight the daughter like she's in the UFC. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we also got Growth Talk Kofa in the building. Uh, what's up, man? What's going on, Doc? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead and weigh in on this. Yeah, so I had did a reaction coverage to the story that you mentioned about the uh, the mother killing her mother. And um, it was in the article. I don't know if everybody heard it, but the mom hid the mother's body in the daughter's room while the daughter was gone. Now, the daughter, um, she was the one that kind of gave up the information when they took took the took them down to the police station and whatnot. After they had came in, you know, spelled, smelled the decomp and everything. And this was just my paralegal brain working because I have to look at these types of cases, which is crazy in and of itself. But I really think the mother was trying to set the daughter up and had the daughter not come home and, you know, kind of found the body while the mom was there. And the mom gave the whole spiel about the credit card, I guess, or whatever. I think she would have probably left and tried to make it seem like the daughter was there with the grandmother. That was just that was just my take on it when I was reading the article because wow. she hid the body in the daughter's room and then the daughter came home and found her grandmother, you know, deceased, and the mom convinced the daughter to help her dismember the body. Um, as far as women hurting kids, the the study that I saw is true what you mentioned, but the other thing I wanted to um add in is that more more often than not, the moms are also are deleting the boys more than they are the girl. Yeah. yeah, we covered that when we looked at the child maltreatment report of 2020. That is one of the things we noticed. Repeat that for the Negroes in the back who don't believe this. Yeah. yeah. The, mom, the moms are deleting the boys mm-hmm. more than the girls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, again, just for the brothers, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot love these women through whatever issues um, they're having. Um, when I talked about my story, Doc, I sent it to you. Um, what I went through, I also covered on the back end one of the brothers that didn't get a chance to make it. This sister that he was with, it was an episode of Snap. Um, she uh, shot him while he was asleep and then proceeded to dismember his body with a kitchen knife. Wow. So she didn't have a saw, nothing like that, because the dude was like 6'4, 190. So she knew she couldn't get him out of the apartment without arousing suspicion and she's still on the run wow this was the episode of snap that I, I say all jokes aside brothers these television shows these true crime shows like deadly women snap things like that snap has 32 seasons 90 percent 90 something percent of the episodes all revolve around women oh, yeah. they're, not, they're not all black women but just women period right. you gotta think about it. it has 32 seasons 10 to 26 episodes a season wow all the cases are about women deleting somebody and a lot of those in some of the cases where there are men involved the women are involved and convince the guy to you know help them get rid of somebody basically you know i thought you misspoke when you said 32 seasons but wow wow yeah i just found it out myself when i was researching that story because it it hurt me because the guy's like around my age. His son is in college doing well now, but his son's around my daughter age. And the the video that I showed, the guy just looks like the average day-to-day brother. So that one really stuck out with me. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the thing. So today, what I'm talking about 
is the the prioritizing of black men and girls i mean black women and girls when it comes to policy funding and media we're just talking about policy right i, I showed you the vera institute of justice their current push and we're just looking at situations right because we're targeting a demographic that apparently you know we're trying to get to zero incarceration we already know in terms of incarceration of adults uh, women are only a fraction of men across the board right but we're just looking at random cases that kind of illustrate that you know this is the demographic we're talking about protecting right so this is this is newsbreak.com uh, this is an article came out about a month ago Right? Mississippi mother encourages child gang violence in response to sexual assault allegations. Right? So we're going to go through this. Y'all know how we do. You know, and if you if you guys want to weigh in on this, um, you know, feel free to. But let's check it out. In a shocking turn of events in Columbus, Mississippi, a 17-year-old girl, Emerica Morgan, and her 32-year-old mother, Waven Morgan, are currently facing legal charges following a disturbing incident on Mother's Day. The sequence of events has left local authorities and the community appalled. Amirkel, still a minor herself, has been charged with sexually assaulting two boys, ages 10 and 14. Not only were they alleged acts of a sexual nature, but they were performed in front of other children. It's unclear why, how such an incident took place, but it's... What'd you say? Wait a minute. And you're telling me some of these states want to discontinue a death penalty yeah. and, you're, and you're telling me we should feel sympathy for monsters like this because we sure as hell know that these were two black men they would have been tried and and they would have been thrown under the jail hung electrocuted and lethal injection and and i gotta say this because it's not like I almost have two two decades of experience of going to calls like this. You know, I'm not an expert, but uh, this is sickness. Yeah. The, 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 the worth of a young black child, a young male black child, is less than a grain of salt to some of these mothers. Yeah. And you will see. Wait till you have to. You want to talk about black pill? Wait till you hear what mothers say about their children when they call the police because they they and their children the mother and the child has a dispute the vitriol the hatred and the disdain they have for that child i've heard some stuff where the mother said things about her child that she broke them hmm. yeah this there's a, a now yeah. my, my, who, who's trying to say something? Oh, that was that was me, Doc. Okay, now, go ahead. I was saying I totally agree with that, and it's not that she said things about him, like you know, the child overheard it. I've seen it where mothers have said it directly to him. What what do you do with that? Like, this is the person that's supposed to love you unconditionally, to say some of the cruelest, harshest things to you, and some of these young men don't bounce back. Um. It was a situation I had when I was working in juvenile justice. A young man was just rotating in and out, rotating in and out. And we would, so I asked him, I was like, what is going on? And he was like, well, my mama boyfriend beats her up and I try to step in, but she calls the police on me. Mm -hmm. The last mm -hmm. time he got released, same situation. 
he didn't make it. The boyfriend stabbed him in the chest with a butcher knife. Yeah. And I've had I've had very similar situations like that where like I told you about the daughter and the mom. The boyfriend tried to hit on the daughter. The daughter says no. And she tried to fight the daughter. And it was very unfortunate for the for the guy when I came around the house again to make sure the daughter was okay. She left with a friend. And I found a boyfriend, and guess what happened? You saw mom literally almost on her hands and knees trying to keep the boyfriend there. And to give you a comic book reference, remember that remember the Dark Knight Returns? Mm. How Batman approached the criminals? Mm. And I had a nice, nice, very vocal conversation with that guy. Very mm. nice. Extremely nice, because I'm just like, why would you not hear your daughter out against somebody who's trying to assault her? Well, but this is a little different. So I wanna, I wanna finish this now. I, I specifically invited you two up, um, you know, but there's a brother who wants to share a brief story. So I wanna finish the article and let him uh, get that in, and we'll continue because we still got a lot to cover. So um, y'all check this out. The sequence of events has left local authorities and the community appalled. Miracle, still a minor herself, has been charged with sexually assaulting two boys, ages 10 and 14. Not only were they alleged acts of a sexual nature, but they were performed in front of other children. It's unclear why or how such an incident took place, but its severity has led authorities to charge Emerical as an adult. However, the shocking sequence didn't end there. The other children who witnessed the incident demonstrated courage and awareness by reporting it to the police which led to Amirical's arrest. Yet, the bravery they displayed didn't come without consequence. Raven Morgan, Amirical's mother, is alleged to have responded by rallying a group of neighborhood children to retaliate against those who had reported the incident to the police. This move reportedly included orchestrating physical attacks against the witnesses, one of whom was one of her own children. Columbus Police Chief Joseph Daltrey has denounced this alarming response. The mother brought her children to beat up the people who saw what took place. That's not going to be tolerated. Nobody should have to worry about people coming, jumping on them, breaking in doors, and wanting to fight them, he told WTVA. Raven is now facing charges of contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and both mother and daughter are accused of assaulting another juvenile who helped expose their alleged sexual crimes. As the community awaits their preliminary hearing set for June 8th, Raven's bond has been set at $100,000. This disturbing case highlights the need for societal vigilance in protecting children, promoting responsible behavior, and ensuring that justice is served. Thanks. Okay. That's what we're looking at. Right? So young girl sexually assaults two boys, ages 10 and 14. Now, this is actually something backed up by research. If you look at Tommy Curry's uh, piece he did a few years ago uh, with another scholar from Long Beach, I believe it was, Ebony Utley, and they, they did a piece called She Touched Me, and they talked about how many boys are sexually violated, not only by grown women, but by older girls who are still underage, right? So you, you might be eight, you might be 10 or 14 like this boy and have been violated by an older girl who's technically underage. But in this case, when the, you know, the kids reported the act to the police, the girl who violated the boy's mother actually had other uh, kids in the neighborhood attack, you know, the, those who filed the claim, who put the claim, who reported the claim. This is what we're dealing with. Um, but I'm gonna give uh, Mr. Good Dad a chance to briefly he said he had something to say in relation to this 
and we'll continue. Can you hear us, Mr. Good Dad? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. I'm sorry about that, man. Um, thanks for having me, Doctor. And hey, Charles and Kofa, um, I'll be really quick. Earlier, Doctor T, you had mentioned how um, the slightest of advantage in a uh, group that's pretty poor means a lot. And I just wanted to uh, put this little bit in and be quick. I'm divorced and I have primary custody of my twin boys. Mm-hmm. Um, after I'm 30 years old now, I uh, got them after a three-year divorce uh, custody battle. Mm-hmm. But what kicked it all off and what really made me realize that a lot of what you guys are speaking about in this space are not horror stories um, beyond what most men already know that you're going to have uphill battle. What really let me know that the, these laws are just not designed for men, even though they're supposed to be gender neutral. Right. Um, me and my ex-wife, well, wife at the time, we were having an argument, just a regular old argument. And I said I wanted to leave the house. She did not like that. And when she gave me an ultimatum, you can stay or if you leave, we're all we're done for real. I decided to leave and she lashed out physically. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, OK. Uh, I did not drop him out. I think he, he dropped out. So when he calls back in, I'll let him finish his story. Um, you know, but anything to say before we move on? Because trust me, I got a lot to show y'all. I just wanted to point out that part of the article where she had a thousand, hundred thousand dollars bond. Mm-hmm. The fact she even got a bond. Wow. And then that right there, a hundred thousand, and you know it's only ten percent, so basically ten thousand dollars. Yeah. To get to get out, I would just have to say, if a black man would have done a tenth of what was accused, accused, <laughs> just even accused, just accused, just mentioned, do you think they would have a bond? Yeah, and no evidence. You have witness intimidation and all kinds of sexual assault of a minor and all kinds of evil. And they get a bond. And I had a female friend a month ago tell me that the courts are even to black men and black women. Right. I'm like, are you serious? Absolutely. This is this is this is what I'm talking about. There's a definitely there's a bifurcated treatment of black men and black women, black boys and black girls. We know black boys are routinely, um, you know, treated as adults when it comes to these cases. So if you're going to advocate for you know dismantling the prison industrial system when it comes to boys how exactly do you justify doing that by solely creating a push to to get to zero for girls and not even mention boys that doesn't that doesn't even make any sense to me so we're, we're just going to look at a few things uh to kind of make sense of this but go ahead what are you gonna say charles good doctor the more you push for black females only basically you might as well say only getting an education hmm. less dr Hassan johnson's will create hmm. okay i just want to put that out there because of some some file acts that happen to young black boys because they feel as though they don't have any outlets or people to speak to on their behalf to rescue them what are they going to do they're going to act out in class 
which is going to cause them to get suspended or detention or some type of reprimary reprimand because of their action so they get kicked out of schools what does that do to their education right and all this time you know like i said we talk about so many men who allegedly committed so many acts but we never look at the root issue at itself yeah and we don't know and i've said this for years we do not know how to hold women accountable or critique women and i'm saying that both in terms of us as a society and in terms of the black community itself we do not know how to do it this is why women have significantly less um less amount of time in terms of being charged with crimes and even when they commit the same crimes as men, because we do not know how to hold women accountable. We do not know how to deal with female acts of evil. So we either sweep it under the rug or we vilify those who are willing to talk about it. Because the assumption is the only reason you would talk about it is because you hate women. It has nothing to do with actually making sense of the larger strategic scene. But we got Mr. Good Dad back. I want to let you finish your story. Um, we got a lot to cover. So can you hear us? Yes, sir. I apologize about that. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I don't know where I ended, but I'll shorten it all up. Uh, got into a domestic dispute with my now ex-wife. Uh, cops came. Uh, all that got confirmed that I was the victim. Um, she mm. was the aggressor. She goes to jail. Um, this all happens while in the span of 30 minutes, the kids are still in the apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Um, after that's all happened and she's Getting, being hauled to jail, the police officer turns to me and says, um, okay, you need to go. And I kind of gave him this this weird look like, what do you mean I need to leave? Um, he said, the way this works, she's going to go to jail. Um, she, tomorrow morning, she'll get a bond or whatever the term is, but it, basically she's going to get out. Uh, she's going to get a bond and she is going to need somewhere to stay. And being that the kids are here, Wow. Um, and she's the mom. She's wow. going to come back here and you cannot be here. And I remember I, I I still couldn't believe what he said. So I said straight to his face, me, the Vic quote, me, the victim, I have to leave like I did it. And then he just said, yeah. And it was kind of uh, going back to what you just said, as far as we can't hold women accountable or even just the slightest of advantage in a group that's really disparaged, meaning a lot. I did not have anywhere I could, I I really didn't know of anywhere else I could go at the time. I was very lucky I could call my dad and we weren't on speaking terms. He could really just turn me away. But um, when that happened in that moment, uh, I'll say this and I'll wrap up. When he said, I have to leave, that thing, I don't even know if you want to call it red pill rage, but at that moment, I felt like the world gave up on me. I, I, I felt I wanted to blink out. And I, I kind of understood, okay, none of this is built for me. Right. Not none of none of this system, none of these rules, none of this stuff. And even when they the state is if you're a victim, this this goes to it's beyond uh it goes to family court and state court. And mm-hmm. the victim's advocate office is supposed to keep you updated with as far as the case goes with your abuser okay this is the date that the court date happens you can show up if you want to see what happens this this and that man i never got a call and then in the middle of the divorce because this this happened then i filed for the divorce i was just Uh like it is what it is in the middle of the divorce maybe a year and a half her lawyer 
shows up in one of these court the court hearings and says, so Mr. Bush, uh, I shouldn't have said my name, but it is what it is. Uh, Mr. So Mr. Good Dad, uh, I see that you did not show up to her state hearing for the family, uh, the family violence, yada, yada, yada. Since you, since you didn't show up, it must not have been that important to you. Clearly she must not have been, been that dangerous. I mean, if she was, you would have showed up to seen justice. And I remember I looked at my lawyer like, can he do that? I didn't need, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I had to really sit there and explain to everyone in court and everyone can hear me, the people who aren't even in my court case. Um, no, sir, I'm the victim. The victim advocate office never reached out to me. I mean, I'm just in the dark. So anyways, I'm not going to ramble on or anything, but most definitely um, when that event happened, I realized a lot of what you guys speak on beyond some of the what you know is going to happen is in terms of you struggling to get your kids and this, this and that. The law, it, it can go so much beyond what yes. you think. Uh, yes. And it's just not geared for you to win. And I was very lucky to get my my boys uh, in the end full time. But even then, man, I, it, it's a blessing. So uh, that's all I really had to say. Thank you for letting me come back on. I know I had problems earlier, but uh, I appreciate all you brothers, man. Um, Charles, Kofa, Dr. T, I don't know the amazing work y'all are doing and how just to be able to have the language to understand what's going on, it keeps you from really wanting to do some bad things, man. Um, so thank yeah. you guys, man. I'm, I'm going to peace out. All right, man. I appreciate you coming up. I got something to Mr. Deeds. On behalf of all law enforcement, I apologize to you because first and foremost, you do not blame the victim for being a victim. That's law enforcement one-on-one. You, as a victim, should not have to leave where you were assaulted and accosted. That is criminal. And if I were you, I'm not saying it, but I will say it. You should have a suit against that department because mm. the victim advocacy failed you. And mm. first and foremost, because you're a victim, it's no different because you suffered under domestic violence. You were supposed to be protected. You were supposed to have a protective order or an ex parte for couples. And, I, and I'm not, I don't know what your means are, but guess what? I will say this on my not so expert advice. I don't know much. I'm not Dr. T, but I would have a suit against that officer and that department who says you got it. You would have to leave. Hmm. Can, I ask a, can I ask him a quick question? Yeah, I want you to weigh in on this, especially with your experience. Yeah. Uh, uh, with that, what happened what was the, I guess, the plan supposed to be when the officer told you that? What was the plan for the boys at the time? And I'm, I'm asking that because there's some brother that's in the chat right now that may be going through it or may see this on a replay, and I don't want him to go through the same thing and then panic and do something egregious himself in the situation and then get charged with kidnapping oh, or, yeah. or something like that, taking the kids with you. So what were you able to do with the boys? right there um man um please let me know if i ramble on because it, it's hard to answer you shortly like i want to oh. um in the immediate there was no plan he just told me i had to leave and i'm like but my my kids are here um he gave me 24 hours. you said you have 24 hours to charles point they did there was a protective you know um 
we, me and her couldn't be within a certain number of feet together. I, I, they, they acknowledge you are the victim. We'll go here. We'll file this. She can't come near you, but they still made me leave the house. Um, now, um, to your point now, Kofa, in hindsight and why this worked out for me and me being able to get the kids the way I was able to, um, when the divorce first started, you have a temporary hearing where before even they decide, okay, this is the custody, this is this, it's just a, what are we going to do for now? In that temporary hearing and what happened after I got kicked out, um, me and her went back and forth and we said, what we'll do is we'll just swap the kids week on, week off. She'll have them a week, I'll have them a week. Thankfully, I went to live with my dad at the time. If I did not have somewhere to stay, none of what I'm about to say would work. Everything fell into place for this to happen. Um, so that's what happened. Me and her were doing week on, week off. The first hearing, temporary court hearing, the judge says, okay, what are we, how are the kids being situated right now? And I tell him, well, week on, week off. He says, oh, well, cool. However it's going now, that's what we'll do for now temporarily until all this is situated and we get to custody. So I got to see the boys for a week. She got them for a week. What I didn't realize at the time, and it was a truly a blessing, the way this usually goes, Kofa, she has the kids and maybe it's my turn to get the get them. She she or maybe her friend will text message me. Hey, the boys are going to stay with their mom for the weekend. And I'm like, uh. Oh, okay. And then maybe I call her. She doesn't answer. I call the mom. Mom doesn't answer. They just, they, they are able to sisterhood as truly as you guys have put it. Cause this is what they tried to do. It just didn't work out. They tried to have her have the kids most of the time, or if she didn't have them, they'd be with one of her support system. And what would have happened is all I'd be doing is call around saying, Hey, I can't, I don't know where my kids are. Where are they? If I would have showed up to that first temporary court hearing and they would, the judge would have said, what's going on now? How is it going already? She could have said, well, I've had the kids or they've been with me or my friends or my family for right. 15, 20 days of the month. He has not. And regardless of me saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I tried. I did this and that. Even if I had the text messages at that temporary hearing, it would not matter. It would just be the judge saying, okay, however it is now, if they've been with her for 20 days out the month or whatever, it'll stay like that. And that's where a lot of dudes, if you're not thinking ahead of time of saying, we need to go ahead and get this situated for the, the parenting situation before that first court hearing, you're going to get screwed. If you've got the idea of, we're just going to keep rocking out as it is, um, where I'm maybe making most of the money and she's kind of maybe doing childcare type thing, it, it, you're going to get screwed. You, you right. got to kind of be proactive and be already either be doing equal time or most of the time. Um, that was the biggest thing that really helped out. And then that played into child support as well. Even though I was getting them week on week off, I still had to pay temporary child support mm -hmm. 400 or maybe 500 bucks, which was a lot of money for me at the time. I, it killed me. I was working my regular job and doing Uber and Lyft after just on those off weeks. And then it was a mess, man. Yeah. Um, and I hope I answered your, your question, Kofa. I know I kind of rambled, but the, in the immediate, there was no plan. Yeah. It worked out to where it was week on, week off. And that really worked out in the court uh, as opposed to the norm for most men who are just getting them 
maybe two or three days a week. Okay. Right, so you definitely answered, and that's why I was looking for just a little bit more context for those that are listening, because sometimes we think, okay, well, I'm the victim, I'm I'm good, and, and no. you're not. The system you have to be system. cold. I, I've heard, I think I may have heard Dr. T say this, but you have to be litigious. And I really am going to get off of this, but every single day, I, I more or less was writing something to my lawyer. Um, I sent every single nasty freaking text message she, she and her mom sent me. I um, The boys at school, they sent home these, I don't know what you call it, little like on the calendar, if there would be a smiley face or a bad face type deal. If they had a good day of school, bad day of school. On her weeks, I noticed more frowny faces than on my weeks for the good, the smiley faces. I sent all that stuff to the to my lawyer, the third party lady who had to make the decision on who comes to get the children um, primary. It was you, you have to go all out, man. And you better believe the lawyer, however nice she is or may have been, the lawyers are going to turn her against you. Um, my car, our, we had our car jointly together in title. I was paying for it though, of course. Um, no problem. It was no problem at first. Two years into the divorce, somebody hits my car. Now the insurance gets involved and has to cut a check to get for me to get a new car because both our names are on it. I had to also get her to come to the bank to sign it. When her lawyer found out that the insurance agency was going to send me a check for maybe 12000 or something to get a new car. She held that up. Her lawyer said, no, she deserves some of that money. I had to spend another $1,200 just to have another court hearing scheduled for, for them to say, to enforce her to sign this so I could go and get the car and cash it in. The day before the court hearing comes, I hadn't already paid the money. The day before the court hearing comes, her lawyer reaches out, okay, no, it's okay, we'll sign it. And I was like, well, what about that money I just paid you? That's what I said to my lawyer. Guess what his answer is? Well, you know, maybe we can get that back at the end from court costs, but it is what it is now. And I was like, oh my God, I just basically spent $1,200 to flex that I could take her to court and enforce it. And I had to do it. And that's when you really realize, like Dr. T always says, um, if you don't have money, thank Lord I was living with my father and he was not charging me rent. He told me from day one, we're in this together. I'm, I'm going to help you. You do what you got to do to fight this. If it wasn't for that, I would have I would have legit had to tap out in year one. And it really is one of those things where you say to yourself, damn, I don't want to give up on my sons, but I can't. I literally physically, financially can't do this. And then your mental health, all other ways in on you. So, um, you know, I'm going to tell you, good. I'm going to tell you, good dad. On a personal level, do you know how many fathers I had to talk, and I hate to be so vivid, of eating their gun or hurting someone else because of situations like yours? And this is the police. Mm. This is the police. It. Because as soon as you're accused of domestic violence, whether you're the, the aggressor or the victim, you're suspended. Your gun is taken. Every gun that you own is confiscated. We even had a situation where a former SWAT operative, the mother took the kids because she could do it. And he ended up hurting her. You know, deleting her from a distance. 
and then when he went to jail, ended up taking himself out. People don't understand the ramifications of this evil, evil, evil system against men. And you literally have men who are great fathers. One of my boy Josh came on my show and told you his story, where he almost didn't even see his daughter for two years. His child's mother lied to the army reserves and said she couldn't find him or he was dead where she's supposed to sign custody to him but she'll go right shores rain try to go for child custody increases but you can't find him mm. I want to let Kofa weigh in on this and then I want to get back to a few other things but I do I did want the brother to share his story because again if we're not a space where we can't exchange information, exchange strategy, exchange resources, I don't know where else we're going to find it. So even though this was impromptu, I want people to be able to benefit from each other's experiences. Let me go ahead and get Kofa to respond on this, man. What do you What are your thoughts on this? I don't even know where to start, dog. dog. Like I said, the system is going to system. Um, my personal story that I shared with you with the eggs going through DV, what I now realize is DV. Um, after I put her out, I found out that she was married to someone else before she was coming to stay with me. And she burned down their house when they were breaking up. Now this is arson one. She's charged convicted in Alabama. Uh, arson one um, conviction. The sentence ranges from 10 years to life in prison because there were people inside the house. Um, she goes to court, trial comes, they give her 10 years only to serve two. So she burned down, matter of fact, she burned down two houses of her ex. She tried to set a fire to one that didn't catch, that had people inside, went across town to another family member's house where the lady was supposed to be and actually burned that one down. Luckily, nobody was home that night, but it was still supposed to be someone home normally around those hours. And they only gave her 10 years to serve too, which means she's doing eight on paper. So it goes back to your point of, we don't even know how to hold women accountable in this system that's supposed to be neutral. You know, justice is supposed to be blind. Uh, Charles is an officer. I'm, I'm a paralegal. So after he does his do, I get the police reports, go through things and get ready to go to, a, you know, a trial or whatnot. But I see it all the time. Right. It's, it's you know, it, it's ridiculous. And to Charles's point, it can push people over the edge. People forget that men are human beings. Right. You can I say one thing real quick and leave out? You got to be brief, though. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, Reynolds in the live chat asked a question. He said, why was I not on good terms with my father in the beginning when I had to call him? Um, funny story. Love my father. We, Man, I'm Mr. Good Dad. He's Mr. Great Dad. The reason we weren't on good terms was because of my ex-wife. Me and her, she had a verbal back and forth at my father's house. She could never go back. And that just caused friction and this and that. It was just a mess from the beginning. So even when you have solid foundations in your life, man, picking the wrong woman can just ruin everything. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, all I got. And thank you guys so much. I really wow. appreciate your time. And I, I've, uh, Doc, I signed up for the Patreon too, man. Oh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate yes, it. Sir. I definitely want to uh, talk to you further, especially as things continue, but I appreciate you coming up, man. 
Heck yeah, for sure. Thanks, Charles. And keep your head up. Always know tomorrow's a better day. Mm -hmm. Hey, for sure, man. Thank you very much, Kofu, as well. Salute to you, bro. Take care of the boys. You know it, man. Y'all have a good one. You too. Um, For anybody else, just know that uh, I I invited specific people up. I may uh, bring people on later, but for right now, I'm going to continue with with the show because I still have a few things to show you. I know brothers get real you know, weird when we hear the term victim in this space, we fight against that term. And I get the underlying reasons why I support the underlying reasons why in the sense that, you know, we want to actually stand on our own too. But sometimes the reality is the reality. And what do I mean? Well, uh, let me take these banners down real quick. So if you can see that, this was a brother. I received this, I think in April, right? And the caption read, wife pours hot water on her husband for buying an iPhone for his side chick. So, now this is the kind of thing people laugh at. People say it doesn't happen. I've had grown men tell me that men are incapable of being abused by women, even though we've seen stats that go back to the 1980s where there were years where men were abused more than women were by their spouses. Yet we deny all of this. So this woman poured hot water on her husband. And we've seen worse cases. I reported on a case a year and a half ago in Europe where a woman actually boiled sugar in the water and poured it on her husband and then went next door to the neighbor and just calmly told the neighbor what she did. But because she poured sugar on it, by the time they got to him, they were removing clumps of skin and flesh from him because the the sugar, you know, kind of uh, you know, congealed and burned off the flesh to a different degree than just water itself. I didn't hear you. Sugar. I couldn't hear you. Say that again. No, I said it became molten sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And he died. Right. But when we discuss these kind of things, often what I hear is, well, you know, we just we just got to be men. You know, we can't talk about talk about victimization. No. In terms of policy, in terms of legal, you know, in legal jargon, you are the damn victim. If you're experiencing these kind of things, what what Mr. Good Dad just talked about. These kind of situations here, do not get it twisted. Do not let the jargon or the desire to see ourselves as strong deny us the reality of what you have to argue against and may have to take someone to court over. But too much of the time, men will experience abuse and say nothing. Right? And we actually have to stand up and we have to support brothers who are going through this because the reality is women do this because they know they can. Right? Right. Men's abuse, men for the most part know that there are consequences, whether they accept them or not in a given situation is one thing. But they tend to know more often than not that consequences come with our behavior. Women haven't had that experience because for the most part, they, they generally live consequence free. Or their great or their sentencing or, or their, their repercussions of their actions are slight compared to what men experience. And as long as that's the case, there's no incentive for them to act any different. Women, like if you, even if you just take uh, family court and you talk about divorce, women generally go into divorce confident about what resources they're going to secure. Not even confident, elated. Elated, yeah. They'll push the button because they look at it as an, an inevitable response to their unhappiness. That means that they're going to be able to get half of his resources and they're confident and assured that they're going to walk away with custody. 
only time you really hear from women being frustrated about divorce is when they don't get the things that they thought they were going to be getting as a given. And they treat it like a, a gross injustice only because they're used to getting those things. Right. So until these actually these until either men pull out of joining these institutions or until the policies change, this is going to continue and it's going to continue the way uh, rampantly because nobody's expecting any different. So here's another. Uh, yeah. So again, we're looking at Vera Institute pushing for policy to make sure girls get to zero incarceration, saying nothing about black boys. But we're going to look at women for now, and then we're going to get to girls in a second. So here's another article, Daily Beast. This is dated May 22nd of this year. Detroit mom admits to killing four-year-old son with fentanyl. Right? So y'all tell me what it is. This is, I guess their, her name is Siobhan Boone, but here we go. Siobhan Boone, 40, was charged Sunday with felony murder and child abuse after she allegedly confessed to giving her four-year-old son fentanyl that killed him. According to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, Boone turned herself in on May 19 and admitted to the murder, which happened in April 2022. Until this weekend, Anthony Upshaw Jr. S. cause and manner of death was indeterminate. The medical examiner found fentanyl in the boy's system, but it was unknown how it had gotten there. Boone's alleged confession solved that mystery. There was an unexpected turn of events that brought to us to these charges. Said Prosecutor Kim Worthy, everyone deserves not to be forgotten. This child is no longer a cold case statistic. We will bring justice to Anthony and his family. All right. Any responses to that? I'm just going to say that for those of you who do not know what fentanyl does to the human body, mm -hmm. I had a person who willingly subjected themselves to fentanyl. And they said it felt like their insides are on fire. Mm. Okay. This mm. is a person in their 50s. Imagine a four-year-old. Yeah. And and mercifully, their heart stopped before they felt any of the pain. Wow. Wow. Hopefully that child's heart stopped before they felt any of the pain. Right. And this is... I want you to realize this. Notice the key fact that his name was Junior. Yep. That boy was a living reminder of the father. Hmm. And I'm starting to come up, you know, I'm not a PhD, not yet, but I'm going to come up with my own research to say how many more times the danger increases when that child either looks like the father or is named after the father. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Because I'm pretty sure if it was a girl, this girl would have survived. But you, you, when you, in a lot of these homes, especially if a son is named after the father, you almost have a death sentence on that child. Hmm. And this is just the evil bitterness. Instead of this is this is sad that I'm the last generation where mothers probably love their kids. Truly love their kids. And even then you start seeing the acts of abuse. Yeah. 
a lot of young black men don't, a lot of black men, period, 40, 50, 60, don't even know that they were abused by their mothers. Oh, my mother beat my ass and all this other stuff. No, 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 no. There's one thing to say corporal punishment. There's another mm -hmm. thing to say abuse. Yeah. Your mother beat you and you didn't even understand why did she do it half the time. Yeah, let alone that what she did actually went past, you know, discipline into abuse. Many of us don't know that. You're absolutely I'm right. I'm going to say this. One of the distinct things you learn is discipline without love is abuse. Mm. Because so many children are beaten and disciplined in anger. Mm. Not in correction, not in love, but mm -hmm. in frustration. Mm -hmm. And for a four-year-old, like how the hell do you justify giving fentanyl to a four-year-old? And, and, and it's funny, right? You'll get a license to carry a gun. You'll get a license to drive a car, fly a plane, steer a boat. But there's no licensing for raising children. No. <laughs> and people look I at want one. <laughs> when I had a kid, I wanted a damn license. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Exactamundo. And you're telling me a drug that is a thousand times more powerful than morphine mm -hmm. is given to a four-year-old boy. Yeah. And, and, and somehow either two things are gonna happen. None of these news reports are going to talk about it or they're going to bring sympathy for this chick. How? I'm going to end right there because this is that's where the mental. That's when the mental health excuse comes in. Not the reasoning behind it. The excuse. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing people go to is she must have had something wrong with her. Well, that's when everybody becomes a licensed clinician. She was depressed. Everything under the sun. You don't know what she's been through. Yep. So Charles is right. We just started start excusing it again for someone that can't defend themselves. Mm -hmm. And in particular, the boys. And it become it becomes so standard. And this is where it morphs into um domestic violence uh type of abuse situations from women, where like uh Travis Rudolph, when he took the stand, he was talking about his issues with his girlfriend at the time. He was like, I thought I deserved it. I thought I did something wrong. Yeah. It becomes standard because yeah. we're still leaving the home from being abused, going out into the world, and we're looking at these women like we look at the women that quote unquote raised us and the abuse at home. We don't even notice it in these intimate partner relationships. Yeah. When it, when it's children that are being, you know, abused or deleted. Uh, by the mother, the question that the first questions I see people ask on the public, you know, posts of these articles is, you know, is postpartum, you know, what is she going through? What happened? If it's a grown man that was abused, assaulted, or killed, the idea is that, you know, the first question, the first statement I hear is, what did he do? You know, uh, he, he must have done something. Yep. He cheated on her, he broke her heart, and, and somehow, these statements are made with the with the low key suggestion that it's justified if he broke her heart. When I showed you the man who 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 was you know she poured hot water on and you could see the blisters all over his back, 
when I saw that original post and the re and the and the titling of it said because he bought an iPhone for his side piece, more than a few women basically felt it was justified. Celebrated. And celebrated it, yeah. And this is what I what I tell brothers: if you're, you know, especially if you're just coming into this and you're not sure uh, how to look at this, when you see these situations, you want to, you know, figure out and are you being sexist or is this is if there's if is there a problem with this? Reverse the genders and then ask yourself the same question. So if this was a woman that bought her man her side piece a gift, and the husband poured boiling water all over her body, is it justified? They will be asking for that man's head. Exactly. And that's the that's the litmus test you use when you want to know if you're being biased. Appreciate that support, Hurricane Greg. You're being biased. If there's something wrong, if you're not sure. And, and I get that. Right. Because we're human beings and black men, if anything, because we've been raised and socialized around servicing women. We're more concerned about preserving her humanity than we are questioning our own. So, you know, so in that, but in that instance, reverse the genders and then see how you feel about it. I'll I'll challenge this doc real quick. Instead of trying to preserve her humanity, we don't even think of ourselves as human to begin with. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. We know how to better defend her humanity than to conceptualize our own. And I'm trying to get brothers to take that same willingness to protect her humanity and apply it to yourself and to other black men and boys. If you don't know how to do it, measure your response about the thought of a woman being you know, abused to the extent that she's got boiling water poured all over her because of what she did. The anger you feel in that moment, if you don't feel that anger for yourself or for another black man that's gone through it, that's when you know. You, you have still haven't healed. You haven't gotten past the training that we've had, the gynocentric training that prioritizes women and girls, even within our own minds. Well, go ahead, Kofa. What were you about to say? No, I'm just saying I just call it flipping the coin over. Yeah. Just just flip the coin over. Flip it on the other side. Like you said, use the same scenario. Yes. Reverse, reverse the genders. Yeah. But this is the same stuff that a guy like Dr. Umar Johnson, if I had the chance to sit right in front of him and mm-hmm. said, do you even see the evil that happens to black men? You want black men to come out in droves and teach. I don't care about mentorship, but yet the student always look for the teacher, number one. And number two, you'll never talk about the abuse black men go through their own community. Mm-hmm. Just because we know where you're, you're, where you're the dollar signs and the purse strings are being attached. Mm-hmm. And you got guys who are highly educated, who are insidiously disingenuous about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Let's look at another case. I didn't know these were going to. Here we go. Eh, hopefully you guys can see that. I'm not sure if you can. Um, but according to the sheriff, a girl 16 fights off her mom to save her sister from being drowned. Jesus Christ. It's Columbia, South Carolina. The the report is coming from the Jamaica Observer, but this is taking place in South Carolina. Um, Let's check it out. Mother drowned one of her daughters in their South Carolina home and was trying to kill another child when the oldest daughter was awakened by screams and managed to save her sister. Sheriff said, Jamie Bradley Brun, 37, 
was charged with murder and attempted murder after the attack early Friday in their home on St. Helena Island, Wolford County Sheriff P.J. Tanner said at a news conference. Brun has talked to investigators and Tanner called it a horrific crime but told reporters he wouldn't say why Brun wanted to kill her children. I'm not a mental health expert. It's not my job to determine if someone has a mental health problem, the sheriff said. Brun's 16-year-old daughter was asleep around 1.30 on Friday when her 8-year-old sister's screams woke her up. The sheriff wouldn't detail how the mother was trying to drown her child, but said the girl's cries were coming from the bathroom. The team went into the bathroom and managed to wrest her sister away from her mother and run to a nearby family member's house to call 911. Can you imagine what that does to a child? I mean, I'm going to tell you, Dr. T, from personal firsthand experience. It's amazing how I can have a good day, a bright, sunny day after some of the sugar honey iced tea I've seen people will do to another human being. Mm -hmm. you, I, I want to put this in perspective. How do you want to kill something that came through your womb? Let's, there's, there's, there's a. I want to finish the story and see what else is going on here. But you're absolutely right. I completely agree. I'm very proud of her. I think she did an unbelievable job. She defended her family when no one else was available. Tanner said, "Her courage is amazing." Deputies arrived eight minutes later and found Brun and her six-year-old daughter, who was later pronounced dead at the hospital after CPR by officers and paramedics could not revive her. Investigators said. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, this is um, sad. Run tried to grab a deputy's gun as she was arrested and officers shot her with a taser to take her into custody. Tanner said Run was being held without bond. Jail and court records didn't indicate if she had a lawyer. The eight-year-old did not appear to be seriously injured and the sheriff said she and her teen sister are being cared for by other family members. Run had no arrest record in South Carolina and authorities had been called to the house only once about two years ago after a school employee was concerned about the mental health of one of the children, Tanner said. There is a lot more information that we have and a lot more details that we know, but at this point we can't share. Tanner said. Now you okay. So there you go. Right. Apparently the little girl still died even though her older sister trying to fight her mother off from drowning her. No, there was that one. That was the third the, was the third one. She started with the six-year-old. And that's again paralegal mind start working. The first part you played, I was like, she probably started with the youngest. So she went from the six-year-old to the eight-year-old. And the older they one. got saved and the older sister just happened to wake up. So it's no telling what she would have done to the the oldest child in her sleep. Right. And it's crazy that the oldest child, the oldest daughter, had more motherly instincts than the mother yeah. to just jump in and save her sister. I, I can't. And they say that the the eight year old didn't have any uh, visible, I guess, injuries. But think about the mental damage mm -hmm. that was done to that child, and this is going to carry on to that through that I child's life. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine what that would do. Especially to a child uh, that survived that. Can you can you go back to the picture, Doc? Um, to the article, real quick. Let's see if I can. Uh, oh crap! There it is. Okay, there it is. Hold on. Uh huh. Yeah, I just want brothers to focus on that facial expression. That is not 
a resting bitch face. Look at the apathy in her face after having deleted one of her own children and trying to delete another. That's the face of apathy. And every article that you've shown, the women have that same look. I'm not expecting them to smile in a booking photo, but brothers understand, start learning to read eye contact and body language, please, because I got that look. And when I was telling my story about the ex burning down the other ex's house, so many brothers were like, bro, your house could have been next. And it holds true. It, it very well could have been. Because, again, I didn't find out about her story until a year after mm-hmm. that act had been done. I had no idea that she had that going on because, of course, she's not going to disclose that information coming to stay with me. And well, just in arguments, I got that look. Not a resting bitch face. That's the look of apathy and wheels turning for something evil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to piggyback off of what he said. When I went to ESI for training earlier this year, we had to go through a course called behavioral, you know, science. That look that she gave is the look of somebody who's ready to attack. That's predatory. Mm. Because if you look at that face, the eyes are open wide. They're glaring. They're taking in all visual because they're fully focused on what they need to do or what they think they need to do. That is the eyes of someone who has no empathy. Yeah. Someone who has no fear. Yeah. Someone ready to be predatory. It's almost like looking at a predatory large cat in the eyes. Well, I was about to say that. Let's let's see if the next one looks the same. Y'all tell me. Um Okay, so I guess it's uploading that. That was up. Let me refresh it and see if that does anything. There we go. So this is a uh, this woman admits to killing husband over affair. Then another woman claims to be the victim's real wife. So, um, I don't think I could get away with playing it without ending up with some kind of, you know, uh, what you call it, uh, copyright strike. What? See, we can get in here. Y'all tell me what you think of this one. Karen Stewart, 51, was arrested Saturday on a charge of murder when she allegedly confessed to killing a man she identified as her husband, James Hargrove, after he brought home another woman and professed his love for her. Okay. Right. So he brought home another woman, professed his love. That's here. The deadly shooting took place at a home in the 23,600 block of Butchers Root Drive in the city of Spring just after 2.20 a.m. Saturday, reported Kip Yorsi, Harris County Precinct 4 constables who were called to the scene found Hargrove suffering from multiple gunshot wounds. He was rushed to Houston Northwest Hospital, where he succumbed to his injuries when questioned by police. Stewart said Hargrove was her husband and that she opened fire on him in a fit of jealous rage when he told her he was in love with another woman. Hargrove's 41-year-old lover was at the house when the shooting happened but escaped unharmed. She has not been named. Advertisement. During Stewart's initial court appearance Monday, a woman who identified herself as Sandra Hargrove told several local news outlets that she was James Hargrove's real wife, not Stewart. According to Sandra, she and James had been married since 2009 but separated in November. Despite the split, she said they remained best friends, talked daily and even considered a possible reconciliation. He's still my husband. 
Hargrove told Kip Hersey through tears. I mean, we have grandkids, we have kids, we have nieces and nephews. That's still my husband. Advertisement. Sanders said she did not know that James, who suffered from a laundry list of health issues, had been in a romantic relationship with Stewart, let alone a third woman. Sheriff's deputy said James had been in a relationship with Stewart for seven years and that the duo lived together on and off. KHOU Living reported. James of the girlfriend, who allegedly witnessed the shooting and fled for her life, told cops she thought that the man and Stewart were in an open relationship and that he wanted the two women to meet. According to wife Sandra, James had just recovered from COVID after spending four months in a coma. He was paralyzed for a year, mm. had two heart attacks, a stroke and kidney failure. Advertisement. Meanwhile, Stewart remained in jail Tuesday on $75,000 bond. She is due back in court August 17. Court records obtained by ABC 13 indicated that she was charged with felony battery in 2016 in Louisiana after allegedly running over her then-husband with a truck and dousing him with lighter fluid. According Jesus. to Stewart later pleaded guilty to a downgraded charge of simple battery in that case. This is the cardinal sin of the courts. You run over somebody and douse them in flames. See, that's the face of somebody not crying because they feel sorrow, is crying because they they were caught. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and you're telling me she has a history. I'm I'm gonna tell you this. I'm 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 gonna give game. I know this is not a game channel, but I'm gonna give game. Do a background check on the women you date. Be facts. Do a background check on the women you date. Mm. Ask certain questions. Tell me about your last three to four relationships. Yeah. If she is a victim of severe domestic violence, she has no empathy to your love. I'm going to say that again for the Negroes in the back. If she's a severe victim of domestic violence, there's a good chance she has no empathy for your love. Right. That's exactly what I went through. Because somebody has to pay for what the other person did. Because in her mind, she escaped or whatnot. And whoever the next person is, is pretty much on his way to being a victim. Mm. Mm. Unbeknownst to him. It's it's like the, the saying still rings true. Hurt people hurt people. I don't tend to want to use that as an excuse outside of a red flag. Brothers, if you know these women, which unfortunately a lot of our women have, or at least claim they've gone through all this, you know, domestic type of violence situations and things of that nature, she's going to let that out on somebody. Right. But which now, first of all, the majority of these situations, domestic violence situations are bi-directional. But we know that the violence goes both ways, but that's not how the story is told. The story doesn't start until a man is violent, right? But the violence that women lay down gets ignored, even when it's bi-directional. When it's, when it's one way, and it's the woman initiating it, these stories get buried you know, under the ground. I mean, I just pulled out five or six of them, but these are not stories that most people see on the news. These are stories that brothers send me on the under because they don't get any publicity. At all. I, would, I would go even further, Dr. Johnson, is that it's not even bi-directional. Because seventy percent of domestic violence, the woman is the aggressor. Yeah, yeah. So, 
most men do not come home after work saying, oh, I need to beat this chick up because the food ain't on the table. Most men are too tired. They don't even care. They just want peace. They want to sleep so they can do all this sugar, honey, iced tea over again. Yeah. Most you- are not violent towards their men and children. And here's the here's the disturbing part about domestic violence and women who are abused. The women who truly go through domestic violence, it takes heaven, earth, and hell to get them away from that man. Hmm. I want to say it again. It takes heaven, hell, and earth to get them away from that man. Truly, when you in air cultural studies, professor, you know how it is with Stockholm syndrome. It is extremely difficult to get that woman away from that man. But yet, majority of the time, it's the woman who feels as though she can lash out. It's majority of the time who says to a lot of men, do you know I had a I had a story with the Padawan? And he admitted to me that he was sexually abused as a 10-year-old boy by a 14-year-old girl. And when he told somebody, they said, oh, you probably liked it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that a lot. You can never be a victim. I've said this many a times. A black man can't have a bad day. Right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Did it say she tried to run him over beforehand? I think she was, they were talking about a previous case where her then boyfriend, um, let me another find guy. Yeah, it was another guy, if I understood correctly. Uh, yeah, it says uh, court records obtained uh, indicated that she was charged with felony battery in 2016 in Louisiana after allegedly running over her then husband with a truck and douse, dousing him with lighter fluid. Played guilty to a downgraded charge of aggravated assault. Yeah. Yeah. She was just she was just a little bit upset or simple battery. Just, just a I little mean. upset. Try to vehicular delete yes. somebody. Yes. And and it's in the system system. We do not know how to hold women accountable. And I would argue that's not only systemically, that's not only in terms of society. I would say individual men in your own households. We do not know how to do it by and large. Of course, there are individuals that I would argue do know how to do it but for the most part i don't think men do i don't think we do i I don't think we're raised in a capacity to hold women accountable and girls i mean i think for the most part we have a very simplistic chivalrous you know women and girls or you know everything nice and boys or snips and snails and puppy dogs that shit is so deeply internalized that you can have a woman in your face you know trying to assault you and you'll treat her far better than if the situation were reversed, because your ass is going to jail. And, and the irony is, she'll be the one to pick you up. <laughs> That's the cold part. And many, many a time, she'll be the one putting putting food on your books, you know, money on your books. Uh, here's the insanity of it. How do you get a lesser charge? A lesser charge for attempted murder? How? There is nothing in my logical mind that you can tell me that she should be brought down to a lesser charge. This is the reason why women who get these slaps on the wrist commit these heinous acts without anybody. You know what? 
Lead story is Scott the T. You got me smoking, man. I had to light a cigar, man. I'm in. There. That's why I turned my camera off. I didn't know if I could smoke on here. I had to light one up. Oh, too. you welcome to smoke a cigar on here. Don't say if it's something else. You might no, not no. want to do that on my show. I don't know what the laws are around that just yet, but uh, cigars are welcome. Oh, yeah, just... LFD, brother. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> okay, but the I other, other thing I wanted to add in, Doc, the reason why we don't know how to. Um, hold them accountable is because every step in the process is seen as a flaw. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, We can't raise our voice to them. Then we're verbally abusive. If we're going back and forth with them, then it's, well, what kind of man are you? You're arguing with a woman. You just say what you say as a man, beat your chest and that's done. And that's not the case. Definitely can't raise your hand. We know that's physical abuse. Can't can't protect yourself because, oh, now you're afraid of her. If you walk away, then it's, oh, you're leaving your family or you're not strong enough to handle a, a real woman. Like every step along the way is seen as something flawed in his process of trying to, I guess, better the situation. And I and on on my channel, I preach leaving leave. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do to a work woman, gentlemen, is ignore her. Now that might trigger something as well, but yeah. at least you'll be in your own space where you can set up your own little world of uh, of a uh, protection. Mm-hmm. It, it, I just wanted to throw that in there because well, people tend to leave leave out the steps that men go through, right. the options that are left up to us, and each op- option is seen as incorrect. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm gonna play a I'm gonna I'm gonna play a succession of these because again the Vera Institute is talking about girls. I started with women because obviously women are you know the result of girls, right? But let's actually look at some of the cases in regard to girls, as far as this whole question of bringing incarceration to zero percent for girls, and there's nothing to be said for boys. Let's see what what's going on. Now to a Fox Five exclusive, a judge has sentenced a teenager in Rockdale County to a year behind bars after a brutal attack on a teacher. Video of the incident quickly went viral at the end of January and this afternoon. That teacher is speaking only with Fox Five's Rob Durienzo. And Rob, you found out today that this teacher still has a long road to recovery. Yeah, that's right, Christine. Well, the teacher still has to rely on crutches as to get around. She's been out of work since the 15-year-old girl attacked her in late January. Tonight, for the first time, that teacher is publicly sharing her story. Jaw-dropping video filmed by students at Heritage High School shows the seconds that changed Tawana Turner's life and nearly ended her 27-year teaching career. I was in the hospital six days, and the numbness was there um, all six days. Other teachers had to rip the 15-year-old girl off of her. Have you seen the video? Yeah. What was that like watching that? I was amazed at how I held off. I I just couldn't believe that I was able to hold myself off like that, you know, and not react. Turner says God spoke to her in those moments after the adrenaline subsided. The pain hit me and I was like, my leg, you know, I can't move my leg. The Rockdale County District Attorney's Office tells Fox 5 that the 15-year-old girl pleaded guilty to aggravated battery against a teacher, which is a felony. Last week, a judge sentenced her to a year in the youth detention center, followed by five years of supervised release. 
what allegedly caused the girl to go off when Turner tried to take her phone. These cell phones, they're able to bring them to school. It's becoming a huge issue. This is like their livelihood. You take it away and some of them go berserk. Turner says she's still in physical therapy and can't even drive. She says worse than the physical pain, the emotional pain of sitting home away from her students. Can you ever see yourself stepping foot into a classroom as a teacher ever again? Yes. You know, that situation was an isolated situation. She says after the video went viral, people from around the world reached out to her to express their support. People who don't know me have reached out to me, have helped me, are praying for me, supporting. That, that kind of treatment, that's holds you up when you when you fall okay so seeing that let's see what else we can find because again you know the only people that don't that that have ad, people advocating for zero percent policy as far as incarceration it's only for the girls so let's see what else is video shows a student attacking a rockdale county teacher sending her to the hospital with a broken leg good evening one. thanks so much for joining us tonight i'm tom haynes the sheriff's office and the school district now have open investigations news Head reporter joy dukes joins us now from the live desk joy teacher advocates say classrooms have gotten more violent over the years okay my, my bad i think that was the same Brawl breaking out at a sub Florida high school. The video was posted online and it is now going viral. It involves a student and a substitute teacher. Local 10 News reporter Trent Kelly is live outside the school this midday with reaction. Trent. Yeah, Janice, Sam, what a shocking sight it was for students in class yesterday. All of this, by the way, going down right here on the campus of Miami Central Senior High School. Those students whipping out their cell phones so they re could record that fight. And now we're learning that video may possibly lead to criminal charges against the student involved. Shocking video surfacing on social media showing a student at Miami Central Senior High appearing to attack a substitute teacher. The classroom chaos posted online yesterday appears to have been recorded by other students who witnessed the fight while sitting in class. Take another look and you can see the student in question appearing to charge at the substitute teacher. At some point, the sub puts that student into a headlock before both eventually fall to the floor. The whole time, other kids can be heard reacting in the background. I thought it was just crazy. Like, I saw the video on my phone and I was like, oh my gosh. Students we spoke with identified that sub as Mrs. Ferguson, who they say frequently fills in for various classes. I was just wondering, like, what made that student fight the teacher like that? I don't understand this generation these days, but this was taking place now. This woman is a substitute teacher herself, and while she wasn't involved in this fight, she says times have sure changed since she was a student. Oh, it's a way big difference. We had respect. We ain't fight no teacher. We sit down, we did what they say, we did our work. We know, we just show really respect. Yeah, and within the last hour, we did receive an updated statement from the school district reading in part, quote, all indicators point to the student having been the aggressor here. They say it is evident that the employee used great restraint in her attempts to de-escalate the situation as a result of her unacceptable behavior. They're talking about the student here. That student will now be disciplined according to the Code of Student Conduct. 
and they say she may be facing criminal charges as a result. Now, so far, the name of that student has not been released, but according to some of the other students we spoke with out here, they tell us she is in the 10th grade here at Miami Central. If you want to see more of that downright shocking video, we've got a link to this story posted on my social media pages. You can follow me at Trent Kelly, WPLG. For now, that's the very latest live here in Northwest Miami. Okay. You know, so this is what we're looking at. Let's see. In the 14-second video, words are exchanged before the female student punches the Douglas High chemistry teacher. The student responds, don't get smart and expletive with me. The teacher responding, I didn't get smart with you, before following her out of the classroom. The school system says it's investigating what happened. The teacher's union says even more must be done. Of course, I was very angry when I saw that. Um, because we've asked that there be some kind of support for our teachers, and something needs to happen. In a statement, city school officials said, ensuring a safe teaching and learning environment for our students and staff is paramount to city schools. Upon reviewing the incident, school administrators will apply disciplinary action in accordance with Baltimore City Public Schools' code of conduct. Back on campus, Douglas students and concerned residents are talking about the incident. Yeah, I think the children out here are losing lack of consideration and love. They're not being taught a conscious on how to treat others how they want to be treated. If that situation is going on at home and they go out into the public, they're going to carry that same attitude and the same situation won't happen outside. 11 News has learned the teacher assaulted in that video is a highly regarded state science educator and a respected elder at a local church. Now we're told the teacher was not seriously injured, but we're still waiting to find out what will happen to that 17-year-old student. Live in Northwest Baltimore, Tim Tootin, WBAL, TV 11 News. Okay. So any thoughts about any of those? Well, why well, you had to put my city out like that, man? Hey, man, I'm just <laughs> putting them up as they come, but y'all tell me. So again, uh, well, then and for zero incarceration, no acknowledgement of the boys. Go ahead. What'd you say? I said that's the west side of the city, so it doesn't count. But see, there was a doctrine when I was in school called whoop your ass. And there there that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't even close to being tolerated by teachers. Because I'm the last generation where the teachers could put their hands on you. Yep. Yeah. Oh, for any thoughts on this? It's speaking to that's where they're headed as mothers and intimate partners. Because there's no real, again, accountability. And, it, and that word is so overused in these spaces a lot now you know in terms of relationships but that's the best word to use right the the, the i think the first article you played the girl got like a year in juvie depending on what's going on having worked in a juvenile justice system if it starts to get crowded she's she's gonna be right back out she's gonna do the rest of her time on paper mm. on, on into adulthood and we're starting to see this and i uh i spoke on it um on one of my lives i was like i I haven't crunched the numbers and looked at anything, but I do believe there is a uptick 
in black women's violence. These stories aren't just coming out of nowhere. And again, like you uh, said earlier, Doc, these are the stories we know about. Right. These these are the ones brothers across you know the country are just sending to you because they happen in their respective towns or cities or, mm-hmm. or states or whatnot. This right. isn't a a crisis like you know mass incarceration or the crack era with young men and you know the crime bill and things like that. And we have to get tough on crime and all that. Mm-hmm. There's no public outcry as far as CNN, the big news outlets are concerned. And something else you said, if we don't talk about it in this space, then it doesn't get talked about at all. Not at all. Not at all. Off of what he just said, look. Number one, when I went to Lake Clinton in East Baltimore, Northeast Baltimore, God rest his soul in peace, paradise, and power. My wrestling coach, Larry O'Neill Brown Sr., Coach Brown, who was also a technology and printing teacher, I would dare you to put your hands on him. Uh-oh. No, he dropped. He dropped again. He'll yeah. come back through. I didn't even drop like four times today. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. But um, I'm going to let him finish his point when he comes back in, but I'm going to keep it moving in the meantime. Yeah. Again, oh, here we go. Wait a minute. Oh, okay, there you go. God knows I hate iPhones. Okay, go <laughs> ahead and finish your point. You know, and, and, and it was like I came from a generation where the te- you had a fear of God, a reverent respect for adults. And I remember coaching wrestling, and you would see these boys and girls, and they would say, Well, you gotta be careful. They have um they have behavioral problems, authority problems. I said, Give me two weeks and they'll be over that. Mm-hmm. And see, this is what happens when if I was president of all black people. I would take away, as much as I love my Ravens, I would take away all ball sports. And for 10 years, you will be in combat sports where it's legal to put my hands on you. Right. Right. To teach you lessons that there's somebody bigger and stronger than you. I remember going to a call. It was this big old 15-year-old bullying the house. He was about, what, 6'3", 245 built like a brick house and he's swinging and i just tell my partners you know whatever happens don't jump in it Mm. and he's swinging at me for 30 straight seconds i'm blocking pairing checking the kicks everything and you know after 30 seconds to a minute he gets tired i'm like oh you're tired (laughs) (laughs) you're exhausted i'm ready to go and, and the fear, just the reverent respect that he got because he knew I could have hurt him badly. Oh, yeah. And you I'm don't not going to lie, I did front kick him like it was Sparta, but I mean. You, and, don't, you don't often even need to, to say it when you, you know, because I remember when I was working with uh, young men, I was assigned to teaching a GED course for 14 to 17 year olds in Philadelphia. Who, I'm, I'm having some issues, but we took away the ability Okay. To chastise children and to hold them accountable as such. And we treat them as angels, not as people, but as angels. And and to see the problem is we have laws for child abuse, but what if the child is doing the abusing? Yeah. I was talking about that very thing, Charles. Can you hear me now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I was trying to explain that. I used to work with young men, 14 to 17 year olds in Philly, who were court ordered to get their GED in my course, you know. And at the time, I think this was 1996. So I'm 220. I'm benching three, what, 310, 315, 600 push ups a day, you know, a blue belt level in jujitsu. And so these young men who are sometimes my size or bigger would get in my face in the same kind of way. And there's, you know, there's a point, there's some teachers you know not to fuck with. There's just some people you know will be willing to lose their jobs to protect themselves. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, you know, what we're looking at here is the capacity for girls to engage in this behavior, especially now, knowing that they have few to no consequences, not only as girls, but even as women, right? There are few to little, few to, there are few consequences for their behavior, no matter how egregious. And, and now we're seeing policy being pushed to bring them to 0% incarceration. Now, you know what, what happens with the boys. And you know what is funny, Doc? I had to tell a lot of fathers that I blame you for this. Because you go and tell your, tell your daughters that they are such angels. And they're just as hedonistic, as violent as the boys. If not, if some, in some more. cases, more so because you know there's a lack of consequences. Yes, there's a lack and of consequences. Even as law enforcement, little 17, 15-year-old girls hit me in the face. And, you know, I had to say a prayer to her. I had to raise my hand to say a prayer, you know, and put, uh, put hands. And, you know, you, you remember, you know, the Von Erics, you had to put the claw yeah. on them. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, <laughs> you just have to put the claw and be like, you know, Please, Jesus, please bless this child because she know not what she do. She's about to go to unseen and waters unknown. And and it gets to the point where I look at the parents and they're like, "You just threw my daughter against the wall. Um, that was your job, not mine." Yeah. I, and and my words of my parents, I'd be damned if the police got to correct my child because yeah. at that point you can keep them. Yeah. And that's a form of protection. Because if the police got to correct them, that could easily become a lethal situation. So that's regard- what it's becoming. That's, huh? what, that's, that's what it's becoming. The police are not going to keep giving deference because they're females. And that's the thing as far as this policy is concerned, that they don't realize what they're doing. We keep using the word girls. But in the black community, once she's hit 15, mentally, she thinks she's grown. That's why they're fighting adult women, women that they know are, they are senior. Mm-hmm. Um, those are their seniors right. because she thinks she's grown already. So to her, it's just two grown women fighting, but then right. we'll play the, the victim. Oh, she's just a child until something happens. Right. Until exactly. she hit 18, 19 meets that guy in the street or at college. And then it starts all over again because I got away with it last time. Mm-hmm. Into the the one uh, article you just played, whatever the superintendent or whatever, we're trying to work on things to protect teachers. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to protect the teachers, you know there's no accountability already for the students, and I the know students that. know that. That's why so many of them are pushing buttons. And the other thing, you had a case in Baltimore, I think it was one of the Carolinas and Miami. Mm. This is spanning states. Yes, and again. These are the ones that we know about. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, when, I, when I went to these schools and coached for these schools, I remember the kids like, yeah, we want to fight. 
And I had to talk to this one kid. I said, look, kid, I'm going to take you outside this room. I said, if you go into my restroom disrespectfully, you do know legally you're fair game. And and, uh, and and it's funny because, like you said, when you go to jiu-jitsu, boxing, Krav Maga, mixed martial arts, wrestling, something about that, I just don't have my finger on it, is when you check your ego at the door and whatever other body parts you still want attached to you, you come out a lot better and a lot more disciplined. And one of the biggest issues for boys and girls, because over 20 years of coaching wrestling, I had to deal with this for both boys and girls. I had to take whatever anguish and whatever issues that they had and make them productive citizens for the country. Mm-hmm. And man, my man puffing hard. Yeah, hey, man, I, that's a good damn cigar. Almost jealous if I didn't have that LFB. I'll tell you. Go ahead, Adopt. I was going to say, I'll tell you this, though. Um, with those boys I worked with, the ones that, that I had to uh, I had to make sure understood without words how far things could go, when I left, those were the first boys crying. So there's a way to build relationships with young, young men in particular where, you know, you're not initiating violence, but you stand your ground and you communicate with them. And you'd be surprised how many of them, you know, end up loving you. You know, because that's especially what, you end up playing a father role. Stop telling my life, Doc. That's what it why is. Do think, why do you think I can't get rid of the asses? Hey, Coach, can you tell me how to make the baby burp? Hey, Coach, my daughter needs shots, and I'm scared. She might. I'm like, and you find yourself being the surrogate father. That's why I always yeah. say happy Father's Day to all the fathers, biological and appointed. It's exactly. not just being a stepdaddy because you're under. If you coached as long as I have for 20 Damn, 23 years. You literally coach kids old enough to be your kids. Like, literally, there's kids who have kids, and they call me grand, granddaddy folk. Mm. I'm, like, I'm like, look, I hide my gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> so you got there. They having kids, and they're like, tell us about how our daddy was. Um, Your daddy was hard-headed. Don't be like your daddy when he was your age. But be mm. like your daddy how he is now. And right. it's and, and, and I'll, I'll say this. One of the greatest pleasures is seeing young young black men become productive members of society. When you're the, when you're the one who was the fork in the road who refused to, leave, to let up on them. Same thing with young girls. One of the girls that wrestled for me, she has her master's. And guess what profession she's in? Teaching. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We can make strides and differences if the damn system allows us. Mm-hmm. And that, that's all we need. You, like you said before. before. Oh, he dropped again. <laughs> he dropped. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm going to, this is the last part of what I'll show. Um, okay. You know, because I was talking about funding. So I was saying that basically there are three areas uh, today that we're grappling with when it comes to this kind of gynocentric approach, policy, funding, and media. So I'm showing you in media, you know, in various ways, we looked at a number of different clips. These are articles that are out there. These are news reports that are out there, but they don't really get kind of, you know, any kind of major play unless they're black men. Black men will get major play all day. 
black men don't get major play all day. But the funding area I wanted to bring up is something I started about a month ago, I think, okay. where I started showing um, random posts from, uh, here we go, random posts from social media on funding for, for girls. And these are often shared by other women, right? And I just wanted to kind of put this up for y'all to see, right? So this is, this is basically, let me see if I can, Oh man, it's not going the way I wanted it to. Crap. All right, never mind. Uh, I'll just bring it back to that. So this is basically how it gets kind of presented, right? So again, um, what's going on with it though? That's not it's not coming up right. Anyway, um, crap. This is a list of scholarships, and basically what I just started doing is just sharing random ones that cross my desk. Now, each one tends to have anywhere from 20 to 50 scholarships, grants listed, particularly just for black women and girls. Right. And so this is another one. I run across these all the time. This is one post. And, and this is only the first page of it. Right. This is one post. And this was posted by a random, you know, woman online. And this is a, just a list of scholarships and grants specifically for women and girls. You got funding opportunities, black, the well work. Um, you know, Village Capital, uh, Dream Org, Fearless Fund, Comcast, Publish Her, you know, Cartier Women's Initiative. I think this was, I, some of these were the same ones that I read in the former one. Channel 4, Black and Business Program, Future 100, Growth Fund. And even if the names sound neutral, don't get it twisted, right? Even if the names sound neutral, they are prioritizing women and girls. So again, when we talk about these issues, and we look at the way, you know, material resources have played into this. This is still happening now. Right? These are just randomly being shared online. Right? These are the ones, in other words, these are the ones we know about because they're being shared publicly. But how many of these are you going to find for black men and boys? I've, 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 we've been doing this for the last few years, asking this question publicly. We find very few. Very. On a regular basis, I find posts like this from women to other women and girls that are routinely have 20 to 50 different opportunities, right? These are, this is what I'm saying when we talk about this as, as a structural systemic issue. It's not just an attitude. It's not just, I woke up one day and decided, you know, that I'm, you know, that I'm mad at women because some girl broke my heart 10 years. No, yeah. these are systemic issues that have impact on our families, on our well-being, right? This is what we're looking at. So I wanted to kind of share that and really kind of leave us on a note that um, hopefully you guys will be able to hear. You know, I always got to negotiate with the tech in here and see if it allows it. But this is something I ran across that some of y'all may have seen, ran across this on Facebook. Tell me if you could hear this at all, Kofa. But even, even, yeah. you can hear it? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to leave y'all on this note in terms of grappling with all of this stuff. Let's listen to this. We're not famous. We're not legends. We're not icons like yourself. We don't talk. We ain't allowed to show no weakness, brother. And that's one of the most traumatic things in the world. A black man that might actually need some help. He might really need some help. It's challenging for you to even bring yourself to a place of comfort to call someone to tell them that you really need some help mm -hmm. and ask for it and not be afraid that somebody is going to take that situation that you're going through 
and exploit that shit mm-hmm. to embarrass you or humiliate you. Mm-hmm. So, so we walk alone. You definitely, majority of the time, mm-hmm. walk alone. Any thoughts about that, Kova? It's the concept of being a, a ronin. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, that's the Japanese samurai who who doesn't have a master, doesn't have a clan anymore. Mm-hmm. Just he has all his skills, but he's out there by himself. And I think we tend to forget about the power of being being able to lean on each other. And we always have to insert, you know, pause, no gay shit. This, that, right, 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 right. Brotherhood matters. Yes. Brotherhood matters. And because of our our teaching, our upbringing of pleasing women so many times, seeing a brother that needs help just simply means that he's weak. Yeah. Oh, so you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's to our detriment because nobody does it alone. Yeah. And then you have policies like this that comes out. I'm going to go back and, and look at the Vera Institute some more. Then you have policies that come out like this. They think they're doing these girls a service and it's really a detriment to the community, the, to people at large, because you can get away with some heinous act and it's, oh, we're just going to get her intensive counseling and no jail time. Mm-hmm. Or it starts out with the boys where you're in the system, you're in juvenile, then you're in county, then you're in prison. Then you wonder why these brothers come out so fucked up. They went through even more trauma going through that system. And you expect them to be this productive member member of society. Whereas the girls, again, no accountability. It's okay. She was just emotional. Right, right, right. That's why she reacted like that. She was just a, well, you know how women are. And I've heard that from other men. Well, Kofa, I don't know what you're going to do, man. You know, talking about relationships and different things like that, this actually going on. Right. Man, Kofa, I don't know what you're going to do, man. That's just women. Mm -hmm. We've accepted so much of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the to the girls in school, they think they're adults already. That's why they can attack an adult and feel like they're justified. Mm-hmm. Then those again, those prison, those pictures of those women's mugshots, actual adult women, 30, 40, 50 years old, they deleted somebody mm-hmm. in a face of apathy, like almost like, OK, I, I deleted them. And right. right. We, we justify so much of this stuff. And again, they think they're doing a service to the girls and they're doing a disservice to the community at large. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming through. Y'all see the name on the screen. Go to his channel, subscribe, support the brother. You recently did a third part to your your story that I I think brothers need to hear. Um, you, You want to tell them the name of it, how they can find it and all of that good stuff? Uh, so go to the channel. It's at Growth Talk on YouTube. Growth stands for Gentlemen Reaching Our Wealth Through Healing. I decided to start opening up about some of the stuff I went through where at the time I didn't know it was abuse. It was mm-hmm. a domestic violence situation because, again, that's just how women are. So I told a third part. I have basically three parts to how I almost Tory Lanes and Javante Davis myself. On the third part, I added in, you know, Travis Rudolph, given his, you know, recent situation of just staying too long. That's kind of why I'm on big on leaving. I mentioned the pay attention to body language, tone of voice, 
mm-hmm. eye contact from these women because it's not just women. Something is wrong with her. And it's not that, oh, because she's a female, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's simply because something's off with her. Right. And then, you know, boiling it down to the gender, she's likely not been held accountable for anything. Mm-hmm. So with my story, like I said, just, you know, I really want y'all to go watch and watch how I'll break everything down. But when it came down to it, my ex is sitting in jail right now for something she could have got life in prison for. They wow. gave her 10 years and she's only serving two. She's going to wow. do eight on paper. And wow. given, given the um, the system as we know it is, if she goes in there and acts right, good behavior, she could be out as soon as, you know, late next year. Early mm-hmm. 2025. I don't believe she's going to serve all those the whole two years because wow. she has two small children. So I know her lawyer played the oh, she's a single mother doing it on her own thing. So, again, at the lowest end, she was supposed to get 10. The longest length of time was life in prison because it was people in the homes that she uh, once she attempted, once she actually did burn down. But 10 wow. years two to serve. Wow. So, brothers, take this stuff serious. Stop, you know, even in this men-centric alpha space on YouTube, I don't know who everybody else listens to as far as content creators. Don't go so alpha that you end up in the grave. That you think, if I leave, I'm weak. I can love her through it, which is what I did. And I take full accountability for my part in accepting so much stuff. But at the end of the day, do not take accountability for her actions or anyone else's actions for that matter. But you know, real quick though, I, I, that whole love her through a thing, I think is a feature uh, of black men, especially, you know, today in terms of how we've been raised uh, to, to focus on women, this kind of gynocentric focus. That's one of the products of it. Like we're raised. uh, And I remember hearing my mother's voice. It was always about how to see things from her vantage point, how how to give her deference, how to give her room, how to give her grace when she makes mistakes. A lot of the time you have brothers that want to see the community do better. And the way we're raised to express that is this kind of chivalrous notion of loving a woman through her pain. What you end up finding out more often than not is is it's a one-way street and you're dealing with somebody who's broken, who's toxic. And, and as you've said several different times, they cannot fix that on their own. Yeah, I mean, you cannot fix that. Excuse me. You yeah. cannot fix her as far as that. She needs to go do that work on her own. She needs to see, seek therapy. She needs to do whatever she needs to do. But that's the way we're raised. We're raised to kind of protect, to heal. We're told we can love a woman through it. And then what we end up doing is damn near putting ourselves, you know, in life-threatening situations around shit that you can't fix. At all. Like, no, I don't care how alpha you are. Yeah. You're, you're not that alpha. You cannot fix what's going on inside her head. That's why I wanted Doc to go back to those mugshot pictures. Look at the, and what Charles was saying was true. That is the look of a predator. She is mm-hmm. almost all but salivating at the mouth. Mm-hmm. She's processing what she's about to do or what she's thinking about do it, doing. And as I've said before, mm-hmm. your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character. We got to accept as men, that's just who she is. Yeah. And, and right. cut bait. About three slices. And- okay. Hold on. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And just cut bait and leave. It, there are billions of women in the world, brothers. Do not put yourself in these situations, yeah. even when it comes down to your own daughters. 
sometime because it's a brother sitting behind the wall that I know that was protecting his daughter's honor. Yeah. Come to find out, daughter wasn't telling the full truth. Uh, uh. So it goes from our moms to the girls that we've raised. And that argument of, oh, she must not have had a dad in the house. They're solid men doing the best they can. Good fathers, great fathers, yeah. like good dad that was on here. Yeah. Move heaven and hell for his family, for right. the community. And still, when it yields no results, somehow, some way, it's still your fault. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's going to be your fault. You need to have some pleasure and peace in your life because you're going to get blamed for staying too long or leaving too early. Mm. Well, look, man, again, thank you for coming up, especially with no notice. Um, you're always welcome at the channel. Y'all support Growth Talk with Kofa. Um, and I'll be looking out for your next video soon, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you, Doc. One last thing. As always, brothers, you matter. You're not crazy. Mm -hmm. Make better choices. Peace. All right, man. Peace. Um, Kofa, I love, I love to have Kofa on my show. And I'm going to end off with this. Black men, you are human. I don't care how super you think you are, there's human at the end of it. Hmm. Look, you deserve to have tranquility, peace, and paradise like any other human being before you, during you, and after you. You don't have to take anybody's treatment. You don't have to take anybody's mistreatment. Get out and protect yourself at all times. If it looks bad, you should already see the signs. We've been on this. We've been in these YouTube streets too long not to notice the signs. Uh You're not there to play psychiatrist. Let her go to insurance or let her come out of her pocket and pay somebody who does. That's not your job. We're not here to fix broken women. We're here to create stronger families and men. Till next time, you know, subscribe to the channel for all those. Charles Faulkner Jr. Woo! <laughs> all right, brother. Appreciate it, man. We gotta get you we gotta get you into the cigar. And by the way, my authentic sort of omens came through with the <laughs> The certificate of authenticity. I'm gonna get up next to Stormbreaker. Woo! I gotta at a future date. I gotta show you my new Samurai Jack piece. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, and all you know where you could go, man. <laughs> I love you, man. Woo! Always be blessed. And oh yeah, congratulations to your son. Oh, thank you, thank you. And now tomorrow to get him registered and all of that stuff for. Uh, his dorm room and all of that jazz. So um, y'all might not hear from me tomorrow, but that's that's what's up. So it's getting closer to that day. It's about to go down. Just tell him, just tell him, um, just tell him Uncle Charles is gonna make him a stick so he can fight him off. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't see what's coming, man. You don't see it. <laughs> Woo! Six and six eight at that. Woo! <laughs> he be uh, blessed. All right, man. Peace. Go ahead and take this. Yeah, but support both of those channels. Uh, check out the, the check out those brothers' work. Continue to support it. The last thing I'm gonna leave off with is just simple: collaborate, talk, exchange information, share resources, strategize together, form groups, small and large. But at the end of the day, just like Buster Rhymes said, we're often left to walk alone. But that doesn't mean we can't walk with other like-minded black men. 
So this is the purpose of the space I'm trying to build here. It's the first or the first stage of it was to create the relevant uh, you know, terminology and concepts to make sense of our situation so we can better articulate it, especially to one another, so we can clarify how we got to where we are. But we're in that transition period where we need to decide how we want to mobilize and what we want to do next. And I'm trying to facilitate that discussion by inviting you to help us figure out what the next stage of it is. Because as you can see, in terms of policy work from like uh, an institutional work like the Vera Institute, black men and boys are not a focus. And when we are a focus, it's usually a bait and switch for some other demographic. So at the end of the day, we got to be able to stand together and we got to be able to figure out the next stage together. So I hope y'all are well. Hope you guys enjoy your uh, week, rest of your week and what you got going on. And I will talk to y'all soon. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.